GFT Media. Hey, you guys. Hey, it is your buddy Peter. It's uh, April 22nd at around 7 o'clock in the afternoon. And I am putting the finishing touches on episode 238, my interview with Ira Sebastian Elliott. He is the drummer for the band Not A Surf. So needless to say, uh, this one's kind of cool. I, here's the thing. If you, uh, if you get through the gate around Rosie Land, you get past the guardhouse, and you go past the attack dogs, and you get up to uh, the driveway, go past the fountains, and you come in the front door, directly to the right of the front door, if you turn around as you come, come through the front door, are some frame concert posters. I like frame concert posters. And one of them is from the band Not A Surf. And I got to talk to their drummer, and he is very cool. We had a good time. It, it's long. It's close to two hours, and it's actually a little over two hours. And I cut out about 10, 15 minutes of me just rambling, which I tend to do if you listen to the podcast. Uh, he's a fascinating dude. Uh, the only reason that I was able even to talk to him, he should have been on tour, uh, is he is back at his home, like all musicians, uh, touring musicians right now. And uh, I, uh, I had a really good time. He's got great stories. Got stories about Bill Murray. He's got stories about Elton John. He's got stories about uh, his other band. He passes judgment on a whole lot of drummers. I gave him a list of about, I think there were 16 drummers, and he passes judgment. Uh, he's eating gummy bears all the way through this and drinking scotch all the way through this. So he, he seems like the kind of dude that I, I could hang out with, like, cause uh, those are two things very close to my heart. The new record, the new not a surf record is very, very, very good. I, I can't say how many times I've listened to it since uh, I got word that I was going to be able to talk to him. And now I posted a link to it earlier this afternoon in the scotch, good conversation group, scotch and good conversationalist. And, uh, buy it. And if they can go out and tour, you should go see them. Uh, they are that good now. I mean, they're, they're a band that just does exactly what they want to do. And he talks about it a little bit and he talks about a lot of stuff. He's a cool guy. Uh, Ira, thank you. If you're listening, thank you for calling in. Come be on my other podcast, Dinner Good Conversation. want to thank my friend Ben Montgomery uh, from the Records Revisited podcast. I'll put a link to that in the show notes also. Um, he gave me the contact information for Ira when I was on an episode of Record Revisited a couple weeks ago. So it, it couldn't have been done without Ben Montgomery, Records Revisited. Great podcast, music podcast. If you're a music person, uh, you would really like that podcast. What else I got going on? Uh, I, if you listen in the middle of this, I talk about the Nook on Robinson being closed. As of tomorrow, Thursday, what is it, the 23rd of April, they're open again as a package store. A lot of bars uh, are doing package stuff where you can go in. Instead of going to like Stupid Total Wine or ABC Liquor or Walmart or something, you can go to your local independently owned package uh, bar and buy beer from them. Might cost you a buck or two more, but it's going local. The Nook's doing it. Red Light, Red Light is doing it. Um, our, our brewery sponsor on Dinner Good Conversation Um Ravenous Pig Brewing is doing it. La Femme du Fromage is currently open, and I think they're doing delivery. Pretty much all my sponsors are up and running. So I want you to really use them. And if you go and use them, please tell them you heard about them on Scotch and Good Conversation. Right now, uh, they are on a you-don't-have-to-pay Scotch and Good Conversation uh, type thing. Um, because I just believe in them, and they're local, and uh, like 99% of them are on that deal. So... Uh, you know, I just I just want them to survive, and I, and I can get along. You know, uh, 
okay. And at some point they'll catch up with me. I got local sponsors and they're local people and they're all my friends. So uh, show them some love. And if you're not in town, if you're not Orlando, show some love to your local sponsors in the town you're listening to. All right, do that for me. It's really important. Also, speaking about important things, and this will help me out a little bit, I've got t-shirts available. The folks over at Impress Inc., a local Orlando t-shirt and uh, their manufacturer, they are working really closely with a lot of independent businesses, restaurants and bars, and there's a couple podcasts. And what they're doing is they're they're doing print-on-demand t-shirts. So you uh, go over to the website. There'll be links in the show notes. You can probably go to uh, impressinc.com and find it also. I'll put links in the show notes so you can get right to it. And on my Facebook group, uh, Scotch and Good Conversationalist. And look around. Uh, I've got my t-shirt up there. A lot of local restaurants, podcasts, breweries have got their t-shirts. They are 25 bucks each. And that's shipped to you. It's a quality t-shirt. $10 goes to whatever organization, like I get $10 out of each t-shirt and uh, two bucks goes over to the second harvest food bank of central Florida. And they can take two bucks and turn it into like 10 bucks. So it, it's a win on every level. Do me a favor, go by uh, my Facebook group, Scott's a good conversationalist and take a look around. Even if you don't buy one of my shirts, buy a shirt. It will help out somebody local. Also, if you want to help me out, uh, uh, go over to my Patreon, Scotch and Good Conversation, uh, patreon.com slash Scotch and Good Conversation list. I've been trying to update almost every day, probably every, like for a little while it was every day. Right now it's the, every two or three days. I've been taking pictures. I've been doing my video blog thing. I'm Peter Von Taborski. I got a lot of shit on my mind. Um, it, it, I'm trying to make it worth your while. If you give me a buck or two, all the money goes right back into the podcast and kind of keep this thing afloat. You know, everybody's just kind of struggling to get by. So if you can help out, it would, it would mean the world to me. Um, take care of each other. Hug each other. You know, if you can. Uh, love on each other. Uh, take time for yourself. Go outside and, and breathe and look at the sky and remember the sun came up this morning. All right? Do that for me. All right, you guys. I love you. Peace. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for checking out Scotch A Good Conversation. I'm your host. My name is Peter. And uh, no one's sitting on the blue couch uh, sitting across from me because coronavirus. That's stupid. But uh, on the phone with me uh, from somewhere in Florida is uh, Ira Elliott. How are you, sir? I'm very well, Peter. How are you? I've got my glass of scotch right here. Do you? What kind of scotch are you drinking? Um, I, I have the very, we have the very end of a bottle of Valentine's finest blended scotch whiskey. And, uh, and so I put a little, put it on the rocks and a little bit of water and, uh, I feel all right. Uh, you said you listened a little bit, so thank you. Did homework. A lot of people just get on this thing and don't know what's going on. So thank you very well, much. Yeah. So these are three things that I know about you. 
uh, uh, my buddy Ben Montgomery from the Records Revisited podcast uh, yes. suggested I reach out to you. So, Ben, thank you very much. Uh, yes, thank it, you, Ben. If you walk in my front door of my home, uh, of the Rosie Land Studios, directly to the left is a concert poster from the band you're in right now. Uh, ah. Yeah, I, and I'd love to tell you I was at that show because it was in Paris and it was with Rogue Wave, but uh, I, I'm... <laughs> I'm a fan, and I'm also a fan of Rogue Wave and of Paris, and it fit our decor. There you go. <laughs> so there it, 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 it was a win a on it was a, a win poster. on every level. Uh, you're in Not a Surf. I am. I am in Not a Surf. That's a good job to have too. Yeah, you've been with them since '95, uh, correct? Yeah, I was there. I, I was in fact the second drummer, but I was early. The first records are all with me. They had a drummer for a little while before me, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm all all the major recordings. I'm on. And uh, I, um, I'm going to, I, frequently I wind up apologizing to people who are on my show. Um, oh, <laughs> and that's okay. I do the same thing in B2. So. I, I, I was there for the first record and I was there for the second record. And then it, that, that was what that put us uh, late nineties. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I went through this, I'm going to sell all my music and kind of reinvent what I'm listening to. And I sold sure. all my CDs and gave them away. And then I didn't catch up again until, uh, when did I, I think it's called, uh, I, if I had a hi-fi, is that the covers record? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that record. And then I got lost a little while and then Ben suggested I reach out to you and you were kind enough to say, yeah, I, I can do the, the show. And yeah. I really got into the new record. Like I like it a lot. New record came out uh, earlier this year, correct? Uh, that is correct. Yeah. It came out in January. And uh, it's called uh, "Never Not Together," and it, it it it's it's been a while. I'm 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 an older dude. I think I'm about two or three years older than uh, younger than you, and okay. and I don't. I think I used to be a music guy. I mean, I used to spin records a lot, and I did a little radio, and you know, I I, I think I know more about music than an average dude. Not as much as you or Ben. Um, yeah, but it's a bad competition. To yeah, no, Ben, man, like that guy's he's a, like a professor. Like I I. I was on his yeah. show, uh, I guess about two weeks ago, our episode came out and, and I, I don't know how he knows that much about music and still yes, yeah. manages to be cool and have a, <laughs> a really stellar podcast too. Also, if you're a music yeah. person, check out Records yeah. Revisited. No, some guys have a, like, oh, it's a great podcast. Some guys really have that sort of encyclopedic memory. They hold everything. Uh, I remember meeting Matt Pinfield. He was one of those guys. Yeah, like, yeah. He remembered everything, every detail. He never, some, that's, that's the way some people's minds work. You know, the older I get, I think it started happening around like the digital age. I, I used to have a shit ton of records, like, like a whole bunch of them. And I cared and, and like, they were all clean and beautiful and they were like my babies. And then yeah. in the great purge, I got rid of those also. And, yeah. and then the digital age came around and, and at this point, it seems like we should even care about music more because it's so available to you. It's, you know, I can listen to a band from another country that I've never been to, you know, and it supports them and I still get lost in it. My whole yeah. thing is I'm trying not to listen to bands that I was listening to when I was a kid. You know, I, right, I, I've heard right. all the U2, you know, I, I've heard all the Devo, I've heard all the Cheap Trick, you know, right. I, I Echo and the Bunnyman, like I've owned those records, but I, I, I don't need to own them again. Sure. But I'm also like just tired and going to a record store sounds exhausting to me at this point. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, totally. I don't. I have to leave the house. I can buy it on eBay. Yeah, it, isn't it, is that a problem? Like, because I, I a, well, if you're a record store owner, it's yeah. Like, I well, it's a problem. I'm talking about it's a problem. A is it a problem for you? Because uh, I do look around on eBay a little bit, and uh, yeah. yeah, I. Uh, I, 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 every now and then I'll buy a record at a record store around the corner from our house or, or I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll buy one on eBay and hopefully my wife was, isn't home when it shows up in the mail and I can sneak it into the record yeah. collection uh, sure. because she knows it is, it, it became a real, a real kind of addiction for me to have all the vinyl and spend money at my whole paycheck yeah. on it. See, well, that's the trick. See, right. You have to sort of target what you're going to collect. Cause if you leave it an open, I'm like a Beatles collector. Yeah, yeah. I collect I collect certain things, but I know if I leave it open to like all Beatles records ever, I'm a dead man. Like it, you know, I'll it, never, I'll never. It's an so expensive have, hobby, also too. It's a yeah. So yeah. I keep it like I keep it limited to a certain thing. Like I know that if I buy the occasional box set here, I'm, I'm trying to fill in a particular collection. Well, I'm very close to fin the finish line. Are you a you're a vinyl guy? I I uh, I, I had a. My sister's Beatle records came to me Ooh. when I was a teenager. Okay. And then over the years, I kept those kind of things. And and then I started collecting myself and then sort of refining my collection over the many, many years. And then, okay, now I'm going to have all the capital ones here. And I'm going to have all the parlophone ones here. Ooh. So I collect all the vinyl, mono, you know, pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. I, you know they're not. They're not, they're $70 copies. They're not like $300. Yeah. So you're not, you're not ridiculous. They, sound, they but, sound good on the stair. They're a little crackly, but they sound good on the stair. I don't mind a that, pop and hiss. I, I do not yeah. mind a cue burn. Like I'm, I'm okay no, with that. It's part I, of it. I, uh, skips, skips. I can't deal with a little pop and crackle. I don't know. It's, pa it's part of the romance of it. it it's something yeah, that's beautiful absolutely. and tangible. Yeah. And, and you, yeah. you came from an age when you, you, and you strike me as someone who probably read liner notes and looked at the artwork and looked oh, up absolutely. producers. That was, my, that was talking about my generation. And I was from this, I'm from the seven, like I was born in the sixties. So I'm from the seventies, you know, like, my musical taste was forged between 72 and 82. Yeah, see, I, I was about 77, and I guess I graduated from high school in 86. So yeah, and to me, like, those were, I, I was thinking about, I was listening to you talk about uh, On Records Revisited. It's just a plug for his podcast. Um, uh, the the yeah. police and how much you just idolize the police and oh, it's ridiculous. It was it was, it was just awesome. a golden age for music because no one was oh, doing yeah. anything like that, and it yeah. was so... I was really, I feel like as a drummer at that point, I lived in New York City. Uh, all I had was access to the radio. That was really my only conduit, television a little bit. But the radio was my saving thing. Like, that was on all the time. And it had been since I, my, I had an older sister, so she always had the radio on. And, like, that was, like, it, it, it sort of transitioned me into, like, AM. And about 72, it went to FM. Mm-hmm. And then my whole world opened up because then I also figured out I wanted to be a drummer. So these things happened at the same time. And, you know, from that, that period, that's a golden era to me. Like, you know, I think everyone thinks they're, they're teenage year. That's a pretty golden era for everybody. But, uh, yeah, I was really lucky as a drummer. So much, you know, it's like classic rock. It was the birth of disco. It was the birth of, uh, uh, it was the introduction of reggae into the popular culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, disco, I played a lot. Of, I played along with a lot of disco records. That makes you a really good drummer. It makes you very calm and even. You got to play with those. You got to play along with those uh, uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band records. <laughs> you are a Florida guy. <laughs> um, back, back to you know, and then punk rock happened, and then new wave happened, and power pop happened, all in a short little period there between like seventy six and eighty one. It was like this explosion. Ah, oh, it was the greatest time. Well, it, 
And I'm a firm believer in music is still good. I just don't understand it and I'm old and I'm not (laughs) meant to. And I still go to shows and I still check out bands and I, I hang out with younger people who turn me on to things. And I just, I'm trying to rekindle that, that passion, that, that fire. It's hard. It's, hard. I mean, and you live in it. Like, I mean, you're, you're out and kind of doing the thing, but, but, uh, yeah, well, it's, but it's also, I have the same challenge. Like even as a person just getting older, separate from the fact that I'm a musician, I love music. Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to sort of, I'm very comforted by the fact that, I have a generation of music that I grew up with and that I keep revisiting and going back to and re-looking at from a different perspective and keep finding new things. So modern music has also pretty much fallen a lot by the wayside for me because it's just not that interesting to me and I'm not going to beat myself up to like force myself to, I, I should, yeah, I mean, I should read a good See, book, I'm right there I with guess. you. Like I, I was beating I'm not, myself I just, I just up for a little while. You know, I beat myself up about anything. I have no, it's yeah, not healthy. The light life is too hard anyway for you to beat yourself up for not being yeah. like into what the cool kids are yeah, listening no, to. Like, like what you like, what you like and get into it and don't be hard on yourself for like, because you're not reading, you know, Dostoevsky or whatever it is. I yeah. wish someone had told me that as a kid, because, you know, yeah. I, and I guess I probably wouldn't have discovered cool bands. You know, I probably would have just yeah. been whatever was on the radio. And M- I mean, I grew up in the really MTV wired. age, so. But it's easier for some people. I don't know how they do it. Like I've been told legendarily that, for example, Bruce Springsteen is one of those guys. He listens to everything. He listens to everything, new, old. Like he knows he's listening to old stuff and classic stuff, blues, whatever. Yeah. But he also listens to new bands religiously. Like he doesn't let anything get by him. He's like in, he tries to be in the moment musically. That's a very, uh, that's a state of grace. It's not an easy thing to, you have to work at that. I like it. Well, speaking of bands, uh, uh, Not a Surf has nine studio records out. Am I am I correct on that? I just did a, a spit take. I, you didn't hear that, but <laughs> I spit out my scotch. Oh, don't do that. Just quick, suck it up, what? quick. It's nine studio records. Oh my god! Is All it right. nine? Okay. Like I, I, I counted. You're you're in the band, dude. I, you know, I, I just apologize for not I being up I on these things. Sometimes it's, it went by. It happened so fast, people. Yeah, I well, I I can't begin to tell you how much I like the new record. Like because I was trying oh. to do my homework. Like I really do. I I probably I'm very played proud it. Proud of it. I probably played it three times. You guys went to a cool studio in Wales. Is that the? Uh, oh, the story of the whole the whole going to the studio. The whole story of making the record is like a whole. We could do a whole separate thing about that. But yeah, it was an incredible. We we. We uh, we asked our we have a guy who's been our sound man for years and years in England and he knows us as well as anybody. He's a great live engineer, but he doesn't really have too much credit as he doesn't really produce albums. He just makes bands sound great in like Wembley. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, which is yeah. uh, that's, yeah, that's no, a piece that's of work. Like, yeah, yeah. He does like Florence and the Machine, and he does all these huge British bands. You know, these kind of uh, like um, uh, oh, these really big big British rock bands, Oasis kind of style, mm-hmm. huge yeah, yeah. bands. So he knows how to make a rock band sound enormous and detailed, which is what any band wants. You want the, you want to hear the voice, you want to hear the crunchy guitars. So he's great at that. And we said, Ian, you know us. You've been mixing this for years. We want to make a new record. Have you ever produced a record? And he says, well, mm, no, I haven't. And we're like, for you, you guys. like to make one? <laughs> and we said, yeah. I kind of, I guess I kind of would. So like, it's like no one asked him. I don't know. Like we were the first guys to ask him. So, uh, yeah. So he was, had connections at, at, uh, at the studio in Wales, which is very famous. Uh, you know, the, the, the bottom line is that, like, you know, Queen did Bohemian Rhapsody there, but like Dave Edmonds had his first single out of that studio to me. That's huge. A whole host of like the biggest seventies British bands, American bands, Iggy, Sabbath. Um, the history in the building alone was so intimidating. I was nauseous. Uh, 
you know, it really intimidated because you're, you know, you're like, oh my God, I'm going, you know, how much do I love Roger Taylor, uh, the drummer in Queen? Like, yeah, yeah. My eyes. yeah, yeah. And to think like, I'm going to be in the same physical room with my drums in the same spot. And they set up a field of, uh, you know, 20 or 30, I don't know how many microphones they stuck on my kit. All of them like vintage 60s, 70s. They, it sounded, I couldn't believe, I've never heard a drum sound like this. I was so happy, like in that room, you know, stone farmhouse in the middle of in this beautiful rolling green fields with sheep dotting the landscape. It was, it was really magic. Uh, it was a great place to escape. There's nothing to do. Uh, and so we had a great time. So the vibe was great. Uh, we had worked on everything sort of uh, like a little, all the elements kind of came together really nicely. So I'm very proud of the way it came I, out. It, yeah, it was effortless. I'm a firm believer in like places have an essence to them. You know, oh, yeah. and I, I, um, once you get in a room like that, like where I don't know, you've probably been to like sun studios or, or you know, you, you walk through uh, that. I've never you, been, but yeah, there's a you, vibe. There's you a can vibe. feel, you can feel it. You could, or even if you walk through like a castle or like a, like you've traveled, you know, or you, you yeah. know, you walk through a, a historical place, you can feel the vibe of it. And yeah, how could you not feel the vibe off that? And it shows. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, Echo, you spoke earlier of Echo and the Bunnymen. Like this is a place where Echo and the Bunnymen, I think maybe the crocodile there a couple of their early records so you know it was that kind of vibe in the you know going in so you had to kind of not actively not think about it. I was about to say how could you pay not pay attention like yeah, I, i'd be just to, freaking like, out know, because we were, but we were grilling everyone for stories everyone had worked there for years so the guy who was engineering good the gig had been working there since he was a teenager and he had worked with uh i think uh, oasis family made made uh, like what's the story morning glory in the studio nice. so he had a really famous story about this huge epic blowout where you know Liam goes into town and then comes back to the studio with a bunch of just like yabo hangers on, everyone like gacked up and drunk, and like back from the bar, he brings them all out to the studio, and there's suddenly there's a party, and 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 uh, Noel is fucking not. Happy. You're probably not supposed to do that, huge, right? Like I'm not in a band. Huge, yeah. Oh, it's a yeah. huge okay. like no no. It's a yeah, tremendous yeah. blowout. Yeah, and like everything, you know, TVs go out windows. <laughs> I mean, it was just fucking ridiculous it's an epic tale anyway so we asked him about all this stuff so once we got past that but everything sounded so good and i think the fact that we also rehearsed all the songs in england because that's where matthew the singer was living yeah so it was like an english sounding record not now we didn't plan to make an english sounding record but when i listen to it now it has this big sort of epic fat kind of queen i don't know like it, it was that room the microphones the the mixing console i don't know but and we were feeling a certain way. And maybe I was like, there was a lot of, I was thinking, you know, when you're playing, sometimes you're like, let me give it this the full Ringo right here. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. You know, it's very satisfying. Yeah. You know, when, the, when everything sounds really epic and magic and you don't have to do anything. It's really nice. Here's so what it, I, was, it was great. And I think the record came out beautifully. Here's what I like talking, talk, talking to you. I like you, it, it excited when you talk about music, you know, and, and I know, I know like it's, it's probably not easy to not pretend like you, you're like, I'm excited about my band and I care. No, I'm about one of those weird yeah. guys. I really love it. I don't, I'm not, it's not a pretense for me. It's not like a, it's not like ironic. I'm one of those guys. I'm ha I'm 57 years okay. old. You don't look 57 by the way. Like no, I, I, I feel yeah. like, I feel still feel like when you play, when you're a drummer in rock and you always feel like you're 22, yeah, yeah. whatever, you yeah. know, like it, you go immediately back to this energy that you bring with you as a teenager. Because that was where that's where where the impetus came from. It's for me anyway. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, uh, that there's that thing, there's that energy. But um, 
so I'm never I'm not excited about it. I love that even the tour, you know, all that Spinal Tap stuff, tour bus <laughs> stuff, and you know, it's like ridiculous. But it, but it's true. Like you know, like I'm I try not to be uh, you know blasé about hey, I'm on a tour bus. I mean, it's a horrible way to live. No one, there's nothing glamorous about a tour bus. Um, we're lucky we all didn't end up with like you know like the virus. Yeah, uh, we all. Yeah, that's a whole other story I could get into. I, I got a buddy who who is a tour manager, and he was flying uh, the end of March to go overseas with a band. Oh man! And they turned the plane around. Oh yeah. Yeah, they they were like, no. nope, they ain't going. And Dude, I could tell you a story. We were just in the middle of it. We were. We you were guys were touring tour for this, right? We started in America. The record came out in January. Mm -hmm. We began to no. The record came out. I'm sorry. The record came out at the beginning of February, but we started to tour in America in the middle of January. Now. The Chinese virus thing was kind of in the background yeah, in yeah. January, and so we toured in America right to the you know about two weeks, three weeks into the beginning of February, and then there was a little break, and then by the middle of February, we were back out on the road in Europe, and that's when shit started to get really hairy, uh, you know, they started to close stuff down, and so we were coming toward the end of a, a leg of the tour when they closed. They started to sort of close off air travel, and we said, oh. That's it. Got to bounce. Show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we all came home. Everyone seemed to be well. Two of us, like we lived in close proximity for about three weeks in, in Spain, in France, in Germany, in England together. Nine of us or 10 of us. Oh, yeah, and yeah. We tour bus going, you know, and every night we're clapping. Shaking hands and, and, and taking and, yeah, selfies. selfies and yeah. Shaking and signing things. Like there was no talk about social distancing. I'm so glad you're not in the room with me. <laughs> oh, man. No. So when I came, that's what I did. I came home and I immediately went into uh, two weeks. I, I, I sat in my in my guest house. And so well, you, you have a like a like a kid and a wife, right? Am I wrong I on this? I have a beautiful daughter. I have okay. a nine-year-old daughter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a and, uh, and, uh, so you 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 good for you. That's that's the right thing to do. Like I hope they were oh, like sending you take out because you know that's uh, I. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm in a great position. I had people. I had a little family taking care of me, so I was very good. Uh, I, I'm in a I'm in a good position here. And you're you're good now. You're cool. You're not coughing. I feel great. I don't have to worry us, about two you. Two of us. Yeah. Two of us on the entire tour of those whatever 10, 11 people mm -hmm. uh, reported symptoms of not being able to uh, smell something for about a week. Okay, it's probably good on so tour that, though. That's, yeah, yeah, but none of us really got sick. I mean, I got sick on tour for one day. Yeah, and I was paranoid. I was, I had a fever, and I was in bed in my little coffin-like bunk. Yeah, yeah, with the, the blinds closed. I woke up. I woke up in the well. What would be the morning for most people? The middle of the night for me. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, because I go to sleep like at four or five o'clock in the morning. So if I wake up at eight a.m., something is wrong. So yeah, I wake up in a dead sweat at eight a.m. I'm sweating. I feel awful. I'm like, oh my god, I have the goddamn virus now. And now everybody, and now I'm going to be confined in this bus. Everyone's going to hate me. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started having like a, sort of like paranoid uh, uh, nightmares that you have when you're like feverish. Yeah, it's like I'm going to. I've ruined the tour. I'm going to be confined to this bus for two weeks. It's like I'm in hell. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. But it, it passed the next day. So I don't. Okay, good. Awesome. Yeah, I, I imagine okay. getting so sick on the road okay. is a thing. Um, uh, yeah, no, we're all worried about, you know, it's uh, weird to be a musician right now. Like our lives, like all our livelihoods are in peril. Like are people going to want to go back and do a big room full of other people and watch bands? I certainly hope so. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know. Like I, I yeah. you know, it, I it's, know I, I've got a lot of friends. I started this podcast on the backs of people who own bars and people in bands and yeah. yeah, and like they're all just kind of waiting to figure out what's going just, on. Yeah, you to, don't to, know until you know. There's to, no plan to, to figure make. it out. And um, 
I don't know, man. Like it, it's, yeah. it, it, and, uh, and again, I have nothing in this. Like I, I'm podcast boy and I can do this. I'm fine. I just, I wish I didn't, yeah. I wish I didn't invest in all those other microphones I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> but, go. Microphones are everything, right? But, uh, I'm, we'll have, we'll talk about microphones next. That's going to be our next conversation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm more worried about my friends than I am about us. Like we, we uh, my wife and I are fortunate. She can do what she does via teleconferencing. And like, I, I'm, right. I'm okay. I can, I can do it over the yeah. phone. It's actually, I mean, I'm, I'm not wearing pants right now. Thing number two, I know about you. Okay. Uh, you had uh, Bill Mary call out a request to you and you were, <laughs> and you were able to play it. Yeah. And, yeah. No. What a fantastic, what a fantastic story. This is. You want to, should yeah, I please. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, Bill Murray's like, I mean, come on, that, that's everybody okay. wants that to happen. It's Bill Murray. Okay. Well, I can't, I have to, the, the whole point of this story is I have to back up just a little bit and introduce another band I play in aside from not a surf and not a surf, a fine band. Where they are. <laughs> but, I, uh, but I have to say, uh, a little piece of my heart lies with this other band I play in, and we're called Bambi Kino. Now, Bambi Kino is a very deep Beatle reference. One in ten Beatle people will get that reference, and a lot won't. Um, so I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be like, I want to play Beatle snob right now. But the band's called Bambi Kino because when the Beatles first went to Hamburg, where they first began to play really as a band, they stayed in a little movie theater called the Bambi Kino. That's Bambi is like the you know, Bambi and then Kino means like cinema movie theater. So it was a little, they stayed in there. So we named their band that because the band is a uh, Hamburg era Beatles cover band. It's an so early, early stuff. Beatles cover band. Right. It's the yeah. stuff, all the, when they started, they didn't play very many of their own compositions. They primarily played, uh, you know, well, rock and roll. Not everybody's going to get it, but the cool people will get music, it. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they, they were, they were, they had to entertain people five, six days a week. Uh, four, five, six hours a night, they and they had to learn a lot of songs. So they had a lot. They had a very wide repertoire. And so this band that I play in, and we don't get to play together very often. It's myself. Uh, you uh, you may be familiar with uh, Guided by Voices. Mm -hmm. My friend Doug Gillard is the guitarist, one of the many great guitarists, but he's the present guitarist in Guided by Voices, and has played with Don Surf in the past as well. Um, uh, he's the guitarist in Band Bikino. He plays like. The George-ish. Now, we don't play characters, but he's like George, let's say. He plays all the lead guitar. My friend Mark Razzo, who I played in with a, in a number of bands, uh, Champale, uh, uh, Maplewood. Uh, uh, so he's the lead singer. And my friend Eric Paparozzi, who is played with Cat Power for many years. I, I'd and, say I know that name. Like, Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very well. He's just like, he's one of those guys who he knows everything. He's a lovely guy. And he's our McCartney. He plays bass. Uh, he can sing all that McCartney stuff. And so the four of us play these shows where we play four or five hours at a time. We don't play, yeah, we won't play a 40 minute set opening for your band. No. We have to have from eight o'clock to midnight. We play an hour and take a little break and we play an hour and take a little break and play an hour and a half. And then everyone goes home drunk and gets laid. Yeah, it's the greatest. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, it really sounds like oh, why you're into rock and roll. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's and it's very basic. We don't use. We try not to use too many. Like I won't let anyone put more than two microphones on the drum set because <laughs> I wanted to sound like a band sounded like in 1961. In 1961, yeah. they didn't put a microphone on every instrument. No, no. We got an overhead and a kick mic, and and the PA was the vocals. There was no mics on the guitar amps. 
It was just the sound of a live band with amplifiers. I'm assuming there's no monitors. There, there's yeah. No, there was no foldback monitors. I I won't use foldback monitors. I don't want them. I want that experience, and I want the audience to have that experience. It's like four musicians in a room belting it out. Question: kind of oh, it's the greatest thing. Are you Pete Best here? You're Pete Best. You're not Ringo at this point, right? Yeah, in effect, but because I know you're a Ringo guy, but you're you're Pete Best technically. Yeah, modeling yourself musically after Pete Best is a Losers or career-wise, you probably shouldn't career-wise yeah. model no, yourself after nothing, Pete there's West. There's no playing like Pete Best. There's no stylistic motion. Uh, all my stuff is really based on the uh, well, the famous Hamburg uh, bootleg uh, live at the Star Club. Okay, that's really you really get like that's what the this sort of melee <laughs> that was the Beatles in 1962, uh, end of '62. It was just like this drunken bar band. It's fantastic. Everyone's like cranked up on Preluden. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speedy and drunk and they're yelling at the audience and they're calling them Nazis. Oh, who knows? <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just crazy. So, um, so but that energy, that sort of this raw rock and roll energy. And then a, a lot of that stuff they did on the uh, live on the BBC radio over in 63, 64. They, they pulled a lot of that uh, stuff that they were playing to fill time on all these radio shows they were playing. In 64, 65, like, you know, they had their own Saturday morning TV show, whatever. I didn't know they that, so much, really? They were on the ra- well, no, they had their own, there was like Beatles on the BBC. There's all, they had a regular radio spot okay. for a long time on BBC radio, not a Saturday morning kids show. But okay, I was going to say, like, I, I've, I've read a book or two, like, I, that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, no, no, so no, Bill no, Murray. Yeah. Bill Murray is on the side oh, of the so stage. Bill Murray, so okay, so good. I'm playing with this band. So this band, this crazy band that plays like one show every two years. Yeah, yeah. We're playing at, we're playing at a very small, intimate, at a club in New York City called the Century Club. The Century Club is an old school, like a scholar's club. It was made for artists and scholars. I'm not getting in. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was supposed to be like, a, you know, it's like from the 20s or the 30s. And uh, so it's a, it's a sort of, it's an artist club, Midtown Manhattan, beautiful old building. And when you're a member there, you can go and they, you can, you know, they serve you lunch in the afternoon. It's very fancy. Yeah, yeah. It's very Upper East Sidey, you know, wood paneled library. It's really hoi polloi. So um, someplace, I, they would never let me into a joint <laughs> like this. But, um, but I have a lot of, we have a lot of friends who are artists. Like, uh, I don't want to name names, but we have some friends who are artists or who are members. And so they said, we're playing, you know, we have a party every year or an annual party. Uh, it would be great. Would you guys play? So, um, so we ended up playing there on, on a couple of occasions. So we were, we're there. This is like the third time, let's say we're playing there. And uh, so we're just in the dressing room downstairs beforehand, putting on our black t-shirts or whatever we wear. And, uh, and someone comes in and goes, okay, you guys are on five. Um, did you see uh, Bill Murray's upstairs? And everyone goes, what, what? Is this said, information well, you need? Bill Murray, Bill, Murray walked, Bill Murray walked into the lobby and said, yeah. where's the Hamburg band playing? <laughs> and he went upstairs. And so now we're like on, like our all is our antenna are out. Yeah, so I don't, I don't need that information. Yeah. That That's going to fuck me up. It seems like a dream. Yeah. It, seems yeah. like a, it seems like a weird dream. So we went upstairs to you know, head for the stage, you know, get a little drink and, and, uh, and sure as, sure as shit, <laughs> there's the man himself. <laughs> And I'm too, like, I'm not going to walk up to no. Bill Murray. No, 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 never do that. Never have, no, okay. No. So, so to make, so back to your original story. Well, so what happens is, uh, Bam Bikino play a little bit. Everyone's out. Like I, I, Bill Murray, as we were playing our little twist beat kind of thing, 
Bill Murray was picking women, like married women, off the walls. Like, come on, baby. And he would walk up to some girl and just grab her by the hand and pull them out on the dance floor because who is going to say no? It's so good to be Bill Murray. You know, he's not yeah. he's not like he's yeah. out there picking up Everyone women. He's just you. having fun. Everyone. Like, he's just being Bill Murray. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so so back to the, again, back to the original story. So he was, like, having a great time. So uh, then what happens a little a little while later, like, kind of a full-on Beatle jam breaks out because you know it's all Beatles. it's like a beetle themed night anyway so like and we're playing beetle stuff and 60s stuff it's kind of an open kind of jam yeah yeah and so we're playing some jam and bill murray is up on the side of the stage like singing background vocals and as the song is coming to an end whatever it was he leans over to me and he he goes uh you know you know gloria and i'm like yeah, he means like Gloria, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. G-L-O-R-I, Not you two, the other like, one. Yeah, yeah, who doesn't yeah. Like, yeah, that's like a classic. I'm like, yeah, Bill Murray, I know that song. And so I try to get yes, like a yes Bill Murray. In front of me. Did you say and yes, I'm Bill Murray? To... Sorry. Did you say yes, Bill Murray, or did you say well, yes? In my mind, I said yes, Bill <laughs> yes, Murray. Yes, sir. I probably, yeah. I probably didn't say that out loud, but I certainly was thinking that to myself. Yes, absolutely, Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whatever you, whatever, whatever pleases you, Bill Murray. So, so I try to get everyone's attention on the rest, on the stage. I'm like, hey, Gloria, Gloria. Like, Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, I didn't say like, hey, Bill Murray wants Gloria. No. So, uh, so, uh, so someone actually starts some other song. So we go through like a 20 minute version of like whatever, Molly yeah, yeah. Tar Gently Weaves. Yeah. And so when that's finally over, I'm like, uh, Mark, Gloria, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> So we start to play that, and from the back of the room, I see him rocketing across the little wood-paneled library. You made Bill Murray happy. Onto the stage. And then he took lead vocal on Gloria. Oh, God, it's so, so good. So that kind yeah. of made all our nights. Like, everyone was so happy. <laughs> you made Bill Murray happy, which made the yeah, world I was, happy. I facilitated Bill Murray. Like, this is like, you know, this is why I, this is what drummers do. We facilitate the party. Not a lot of people get to say that, you know? They're, no, they're, I'm, they're, very, I'm a very, very lucky guy. <laughs> I, I've no, also seen... One of a series, it's one of a series of unbelievable people I've happened to end up behind. Well, I am, um, I've got in my notes, I, there's a photo of you with in one photo yeah elton john stevie wonder oh. patty labelle uh -huh. and deanna warwick and it's no it's it's, it's, it's uh, not patty labelle it's uh it's um it's uh it's uh um dion warwick oh. and uh it's dion warwick and uh, uh and um uh, uh um gladys knight Sorry, oh gladys, gladys knight okay good gladys yeah knight. and it says underneath yeah. it not pictured Paul McCartney, Eric Clapton, Nile Rogers, and Miley Cyrus, which seemed uh, oddly out of out of place, but I don't know. I, I, so, yeah. how did you wind up behind? Okay, that is another amazing story. And you look really cool too. You had like a tuxedo oh, on. You know, yeah, you, no, well, yeah, you look like you're meant to be there. Yeah, no, you got this. Was the weirdest. This is one of those things that uh, this is so weird. Okay, I'm going to try to keep the story down to a screaming minimum. No, we got all night, dude. Like, <laughs> please, like I, totally I was excited to ask you. I gotta say that was a weird week because um, uh, for for the two or three weeks leading up to that event, um, that was like a Tuesday night. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it was like a regular for anyone else. It was Tuesday night for me. I'm standing behind Elton John, yeah, and Gladys Knight, rock and roll royalty. But, yeah. But before I get to Tuesday night on Wednesday, for weeks preceding, there was a a show scheduled for Nonostrophe was going to play at a, a uh, it was like the music of Neil Young at Carnegie Hall. So on Wednesday night, for weeks, I was like, we're practicing. Doug Gillard is playing guitar with us. And we're playing a Neil Young song. 
at Carnegie Hall. I'm like, this is going to be the greatest week. Yeah, of my yeah, life. That, that's. I was like, so, so stoked. It's okay. a room. So now, yeah, yeah. coming up, and that on that weekend, let's say Saturday, I get an email from my friend Joe McGinty, who plays keyboards and has a large collection of musicians that he knows, local New York musicians, and he's a band leader kind of guy. Yeah. He often gets called to do events. So he he emails me and says, "Hey, Ira, are you available Tuesday night?" I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm in town. <laughs> uh, he goes, uh, well, I just had to play one song. Do you know the song, uh, That's What Friends Are For? It's from the 80s. I'm like, yeah, sure. In good times and bad times. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not like a great song, minute. but yeah. Said, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. for a drummer, this yeah. is my job in that song. You ready? Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. It's like heartbeat tempo. Mm -hmm. It's like 60 beats per minute. I can do this like, literally with my eyes yeah, closed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't have to do anything, but like keep the space between. Right. So do you have a tuxedo? Very, the other question. So, yeah. So yeah. then I'm like, and then, he, so he sends me like, I'm like, why am I playing? That's what friends are for. And he goes, well, it's going to be these four singers. And I'm looking at that list of those four names. Yeah. Well, Elton three, th those are all I'm the like, names, right? I, I, I'm like, yeah, I remember that song. The, okay. Email. And I'm like, you mean like, it's like drag queen Elton John, drag queen. <laughs> You don't mean like the Elton Stevie John. Wonder. You mean like some like guy from the West Side, which I'm fine no, with. No, yeah, no, it's them. So the story was evidently they. So it was a a, a very large AIDS benefit. It was um, uh, a, a, the biggest AIDS benefit in New York. I, I wish I could. Uh, um, I'm gonna forget everyone's name because I'm really bad like that. But um, so it was their anniversary, like 20th anniversary, or whatever, and that was their theme song from like 1980. It was Elizabeth Taylor's. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I remember that coming out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was their theme song. And uh, they were having an anniversary, so they had these four singers available to do it. But what all they needed was really a track. They just needed the track without the vocals on it, so they the four of them could just sing along. But they couldn't find such a thing, so <laughs> they had to hire a band. And so the band leader who they hired called me, and so suddenly I have this job on Tuesday before my job at uh, Carnegie Hall. So now I got to get a. I have one day. I've got to get a tuxedo because this is a black tie event. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't show up at like in black jeans and like a four button beetle jacket. It's not going to cut it. You like, can, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I had to yeah, like. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah. I had to go all the way. Like Class Bill it up. Clinton was the whole event was unbelievable. Like Clinton was a speaker. Everybody. Al Woody Allen was sitting in the audience. This is when it was okay for a yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. This is a, this is a while ago. Yeah. So it was it was an amazing, astonishing like sh thing to have happen. Who's who and, of, uh, of of cool yeah. people? So yeah, so there I am sitting. So the one picture I have, the drums have to be right in between the four of them. So I got a couple of great shots where it's just the four, those four singers, and me right in the middle in a tuxedo. It was really crazy. Okay, uh, thing number three I know about you. Yes. Is uh, you own a kilt and you're not afraid to rock it with with formal wear. Oh, wow. Yeah, the kilt. Well, you know, I got to say. Like, Are you Scottish at all? No, there's nothing Scottish. The Elliot no. is, a, is not my, I, I didn't my think so. last name. Okay. There's no Scott. I had I had a friend recently come up to me, uh, uh, and he like, he goes, oh, Elliot. And he Elliot goes on this whole story about the legend of the, the, the history of the Elliot clan. <laughs> okay. And I, I couldn't. He was doing such a great job. I, I, I couldn't stop him because I, I, I couldn't tell okay. him. Okay. Like, it's not, not. Yeah, I'm it's not. not your name. Yeah, okay. No, but my, but my wife was really watching a lot of Highlander. Okay. So I knew she was getting off on this whole kilty thing. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. Well, you know, she wears stuff for me. So why can't I wear some stuff See, your for wife her, right? wants so, you to wear a kilt. See, my wife, yeah, uh, so my wife, like, total opposite. Kilt, I'm like, 
doesn't want the kilt. I I have a daughter and an an eight-year-old girl. So, you know, when the Renaissance Fair comes to town, you got to wear something. Okay. Do you you go full kilt? I got a puffy shirt and everything. Are you like, like... Free bowling under there, or are you like oh, shorts no, guy? I would never. No, okay. no, I could never do that. Because I, no, I, that, that would be, I would be uncomfortable. I no, would be that uncomfortable. would be the most comfortable. Like that, that's that's uh, to me. No. Now, if I could no, wear a dress all the no, time. Psychologically speaking, I need uh, I need to have uh, I need capture. You're a tall man. I would just own that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're also yeah. you're also fond of cow fond of cowboy hats. I've noticed that. I did. I had a long uh, yeah. I have a long history with cowboy hats. Yeah, I'm trying not to let them get the best of me. Okay, please don't. You have a full head of hair, right? You're okay. I don't. Well, not... yeah, it's it's hanging in there. I still have hair. Okay. I but... don't want people to think I'm like Dwight Yoakam. But, uh, there, hey, but listen, you, know, you, you could do worse than the, Dwight Yoakam because yeah, I, I'm a no, guy who's frolicly, a follically challenged and I, I yeah. want a full head of hair and I'm jealous yeah. of what I've no, seen I, of your hair. No, I'm getting older and it's definitely thinning out and I'm starting to see photographs of myself where I'm, oh my God, I look like I'm bald. So yeah, I'm starting to de- have to deal with that too, even though I'm technically not. Okay, but, good. You know, you're, you're, it's just like, you know, it's fall. Promise me you won't go all Mike Love and start wearing like a hat all the time because yeah, we all yeah, know, you know we're very aware, yeah, Mike. You see, yeah. as a, as a, yeah, you have a lot of options when it comes to like headgear. So, yeah. See, this is the, I'm fascinated with this thing where, uh, where certain musicians and so, uh, musicians in particular, we can find other people in, in, who do it in the public life as well, artists who always have a particular look. Like, for example, sunglasses. <laughs> Rick Ocasek. Yeah, always cool. I've been thinking about recently. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Jeff Lynn, who oh. I think about all the time. Roy Orbison, like, uh, also sunglasses. Yeah, oh, yeah. Roy Orbison. Like yeah. All the guys in the, half the, you know, four or five to five, like even Tom Petty always wore little round glasses. So, you know, Lennon. A lot of guys are like 24 hours a day, they're in sunglasses. How Bono? We on? forgot Bono. How do we forget that? He's always in blue ones. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 supposedly they're necessary. Color. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated by people who sort of like they work a look all day long. They have to be in sunglasses all the time. That would really bother me. What the I I literally about ten minutes before I came in here, we were talking about my my William, my brother William. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna shit on you yeah. a little bit. Uh, I was oh I, I was facetiming my brother. That's what friends are. <laughs> I was fa- I love my brother. He's he's a better person than me. Uh, uh, yeah. But I uh, I was facetiming him and he had an unfortunate pair of sunglasses right on. Now. And, um, and I, I had to ask my wife, I was like, do I wear bad things? You'll tell me if I don't look cool. Right. Like, and she's, she's younger than I am and which is really cool. And, and she corrects me when I start to dress like a crazy old man. And then I, I looked at what I was wearing. I mean, I've got quarantine clothes on right now. And like, yeah. I look like an insane person. Like I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wearing something like some of her underwear and I got a hat, oh, and, you know, I might have a bustier, you know, I, yeah, I but it's whatever it. I can I grab, boost, baby. You can't but, but she doesn't let me leave the house without looking at least younger than I am, which is a hard right. thing for an older dude. I don't know what to wear. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm all too self-conscious. Okay, good. Because like, you you always look cool. Like again, I stalked your internet for for a minute and a half before this thing. I'm so. one of the, like I, you know I'm one of those. I, I think I always blame it on the fact that I'm well. It it's it, it goes hand in hand with the fact that I'm a musician, 
You're a rock like, star at heart, I think. Well, aren't like, you? I always felt yeah. like that was my job was to like show up and look good. Like I don't want to show up and look like flabby and gross and unshaven and depressed. And that's to me. Like if I let a beard, we went grow, through grunge because, already. Yeah, it's not because I'm trying to look cool. It's yeah, because I I've given up <laughs> and, I, and I want to die. If I'm coming with a beard, it means like you know get me to a doctor because something is really really wrong. But you know, like I'm again of a different generation. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of my I have style idols. Like, I don't know how many guys have style idols. I do, but all I the time. But I like, yeah. I look at certain guys and I go, yeah, I want to be, I want to, like, cut the kind of line this guy cuts. Like, I want to walk into a room and people go, hey, this guy's got it together. So that, that was, like, my only goal since I was, like, 17 was to be, like, you know, try to have it together. And so maybe I tend to be the kind of person who overdresses. Uh, for occasions like you know my shoes are a little too pointy but hey man i'm the drummer in a rock band i can do what the hell i felt I like i saw a really cool pair of creepers <laughs> i used to wear creepers all the time i know when i was younger i wore creepers but actual creepers you can't play the drums in actual <laughs> yeah, i guess i didn't you i didn't the, the i can podcast the shit out of stuff right you know, now with, with the with, weight differentials that throws you all off yeah. i used to try to do that and it never worked I, I had a pair of uh, leopard skin creepers that I've been wearing for uh, about 15 years and they fell apart uh, recently. Like the heel came uh, off and I know I can get them replaced, but I mean, honestly, at yeah. this point in my life, do I need to? Yeah, you probably not. Cause I bought them used that they were, they were like 10 bucks used and I, I like, it's going to cost me way more than that. And I don't go to that many weddings that I can wear creepers anymore. Uh, top three things real quick. Don't ever think this. Like this okay. is spur of the moment right now. There are no wrong answers. Top three bands, singer, songwriters, or musical performers in your world right now. Go. Right now, top three singer, right band, now. songwriters in my world right now. I'm really into. I'm really having an Adam Schlesinger moment. What is that? Adam Schlesinger is a guy from uh, from the lead singer and songwriter. Well, not the lead singer, but the songwriter, main songwriter, Fountains of Wayne. Okay, yeah, he yeah, yeah. That, oh. He passed away like two days ago. Oh, yeah, didn't, like I was going to say, didn't he just, yeah. just literally coronavirus? Yeah, so Adam, Adam like, passed oh, away. So, so fucking he came sad. on my radar really hardcore like three days ago. So I have uh, one or two of his songs rattling around my brain and a constant, like today, uh, Matthew, the singer of Not A Surf, contacted me and said, hey, um, they want me to do a Adam Schlesinger uh, tribute thing. Um, you guys want, so I threw a drum track down this afternoon and sent it off to Matthew we're going to do a song called uh, Sick Day that was on their first album. Oh. So, And then I have this song called um, uh, Fire Island in my head that is just going around and around in this epic circle because it's so beautiful. It's so heartbreaking. It's so catchy. It's so beautifully written. I, I just, it's just mind-blowing. He was so great. And like everywhere I turn, like my daughter watches a show called The Who Was Show, which is a sort of teenager show about history based on a series of books that you see in the who was, you know, Tchaikovsky, who okay. was oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so there's a kid's show about it. And the theme song to that show, written by Adam Schlesinger. <laughs> we used to watch uh, Bubble Guppies all the time. Yeah. And there would always be these elaborate, insane pop songs. And I'd be like, who wrote this thing? What the hell's going on? And I looked it up, Adam Schlesinger. And I met Adam, and I worked with Bandy Kino. I worked with Adam Schlesinger, too. So Adam Schlesinger oh. really... That, yeah. Yeah. So I had met Adam and I've worked with him a couple of times where I did. He recorded, uh, he did an, an America album that he, he, they covered a not a surf song. Did you uh, say America? Song. Like sister golden hair, muscat love yeah. America. Really? Oh, no, this is a, this is here. You ready for this one? Okay. It, <laughs> I, I know the they, early, they, they play Orlando about, every now and then at Disney. About 10 but, years yeah. ago, about 10 years ago, not a surf gets a, we get a call from, I guess from Schlesinger who's producing an album for, 
America at that time. And what he was, his plan was to uh, find America a bunch of songs. Ooh, shit, are you still there? Okay, good. Make, yeah, to sort of, you know, to like, you know, make them seem kind of cool. Or yeah. like, you know, great songs. There are, there are cool, by the way. They're, they're still well, cool. No, yeah, I mean, they are really cool. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've met them. They yeah. are genuinely cool. Like in that L.A. Yeah. These guys are genuine L.A. rock stars in a way that you and I will never fully comprehend. Oh, I will. Like these yeah. guys lived it. They yeah. They were like, yeah, these guys, these are the real, this is a genuine article. We talk about rock Horse stars. with no name. Boom. Nailed it. These that, guys that, were huge. Like yeah. they had one huge hit after another, a series of them. Yep. And they worked with uh, George Martin. Listen, if you want to, like, if they go, if they go in the rock, if they don't go in the rock star category, I don't know who does. So anyway, so he's producing this record. So he says they want to do um, "Always Love" by Nova Surfer. We're like, yes, that's fantastic. So I go in, and Matthew comes in, and we, two of us, I play a drum track, I believe, and Matthew played guitar, and then they put their stuff on top of that and turned it into their version of, of "Always Love." And the same thing, we, I as in the guy from Bambi Kino, Mark Razo, the main singer, we had another band called Maplewood. The whole template of the band Maplewood we had together was three singer-songwriters, and we're like, hey, we'll be kind of like, well, we'll write stuff like America. <laughs> That's going to be our thing. We'll be like this Poco, <laughs> Poco. listening. <laughs> yeah, it was three of my great friends who were all great singer-songwriters, and like, let's just get into this whole West Coast driving down the freeway. Blue Jean Committee hair. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. Let's, and this is like, this is 15 years ago. So like, let's get <laughs> Before it was out. cool, yeah, good like for three you. Or four bands at the time who were doing that thing. It was it was very it was not it was not common. It became common, not there. There was no yacht rock anyway. at that point. Like yacht rock came a couple of years later. Yep. We started to see that yacht rock thing. Yeah, but yeah, that's the kind of field we were playing. So we the first song we wrote, we said, hey. So we had the idea for the band first. We said, well, what kind of songs would this sort of America like band have? And someone goes, uh, Indian Summer. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> yeah, so someone writes down Indian Summer. Don't write and, anything and, else down. And, that, and that's week, perfect. Two weeks later, yeah. Mark had written Indian Summer. So of course. Was the first song, it was the kind of lead single on our record. Mm -hmm. And then we pitched it to, later now, we pitched it to Adam uh, Schlesinger and said, hey, remember this? Because Adam knew about this record. He had been almost involved in that record. So, hey, remember this song? We wrote it like in the style of America. Pl give it to America. See if they want to do it. And they <laughs> loved it. And so, like this, really weird. Like it's, my, it's like writing a song for Yes, and then Yes covers it. It was really out of body. So again, Mark and I went into that studio. It was Adam's studio on the west side of Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we set up, and we found a nice sort of breeze tempo, and we laid it out. And then we came back two days later, and they put their bass, and they had their oh, three-part harmony vocals on it. And I was like, this is outrageous. It was like it was just unbelievable. So that was one of the and then when Bambi Kino made a single, we went to Adam to produce a very sort of Hamburg, like early Beatles sounding thing for us. So on these two occasions, I worked with Adam. So for answer, first answer to the question is Adam Schlesinger. Two more, please. Then, okay, two more. That was a really long. Uh, no, it's fine. Um, this is podcasting, dude. I got all the time in the world. I ain't going to bed anytime uh, what soon. What am I um, Harry Nilsson somehow is in my head. Why do I know is, that? What is that? That's important. Harry, I should. Harry I should. Nilsson, know, Harry I should Nilsson, know that. You know, Harry Nilsson is a singer-songwriter from the seventies. Yes. He, um, um, I, actually, I listen to a lot of. Uh, one of the things I listen to religiously, even before this happened, but even more so now, Tom Petty okay. has this uh, Florida thing boy. on, on yeah. Sirius XM. There's like a twenty-four hour a day Tom Petty channel, and it's like he had this radio show for a couple of years, and it's just him playing music he likes, and so it's a bunch of great rock and roll music and blues and all kinds of really cool shit. And then in between, it's like Tom Petty is your DJ. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, he's got his little Southern drawl. It's all like, it's really the most charming. Like, it's so comfort food. It's a good parts like, of Florida, basically. Oh, it yeah, just yeah. calms you right down. It's yeah. like that and the Beatles channel. Like, it just like, you can't be uptight listening to like all this great old soul rock and roll and you know from you know he's playing like the flame and groovies and he's playing chuck berry and it's just like it's very satisfying and then it's all held together by his wonderful southern charming hilarious personality and tom petty that he well and he's also got a pretext as he does the show his his uh his shtick is that he's doing it at uh, a particular cheap recording studio out <laughs> by the los angeles airport Okay. So that's the underlying theme that he's in this like, you know, Rick's recorders, best, you know, best sound in the L.A. airport area. And so that's the whole, <laughs> like, uh, you know, and so he's playing the, this whole vibe like he's like at a, in a little place down by out by the airport in this horrible neighborhood. So it's a fantastic sort of uh, frame around the show. You believe that he's like, you know, sitting in some room by the airport. Is this you know, still available? Is it still on? Oh, no, it's on, tw- it's on. Dude, it's on 24 hours a okay, day. I, I will have to go XM. explore. It. Yeah, yeah, it's called Tom Petty's Buried Treasure. And it's on every hour. A new episode starts. And I, I've, you know, I've heard most of them at least once. I can't but, get past Howard Stern, like on, on. Oh Sirius. no! Don't worry about that. Don't yeah. listen to that guy. It's a waste. <laughs> no, listen to Tom. Tom Petty is like a religious experience. So I'm, uh, so he's playing a lot of this stuff, and he played uh, this great uh, song by by Harry Nilsson called uh, Joy. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and so like Harry Nilsson's been in my head. What else am I thinking of? Oh, uh, you know, I've been just recording, and so. XTC. I've been listening. Ooh. I've been thinking about XTC. Yeah. Because uh, my friend uh, Gavin Gus, who lives out in, uh, in he lives in Portland, uh, or is he in Seattle? I think he's in Seattle. I always confuse those two. I think yeah, he's in Seattle. they're very close. He, anyway, he sent me. Sorry, Gavin. Uh, so he sent me a demo. He's like, I got the song. You're sitting at home with nothing to do. So he sent me the song of his, which is kind of like really, yeah, it's kind of like got this XTC kind of big thumpy kind of. Yeah. Save us from the ball and chain. It's got this big like toms kind of thing so i'm in my little room or my little shed in my backyard sort of playing that today so i'm thinking about xtc a lot i i so uh, there you go is that three no that's fine yeah i i Can um I, pass? I i there are no wrong answers i i <laughs> i've been trying to push xtc uh, on my wife forever because yeah no I, that's no i see no that's 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 all that's a hard one no, but but xtc are like the three stooges they're like Chicks don't dig XTC. But, but the Mayor of Simpleton might be the perfect love yeah, song. it's poppy. It's very sweet. But yeah, it, you see, you know what? Here's the, pro- here's the problem. Dear God. Dear right God also might no, be the, the perfect here's song. I'll tell you. I can tell you right now what she's not going to like about XTC. She's mm-hmm. not going to like Andy Parker's <laughs> voice. Yeah, yeah. Women don't like his voice. I think guys, I agree with you. Yeah, you're right. Ignore yeah. it. But women are like, I don't like this guy's voice. He sounds strained and weird. He's got an odd voice. And... I remember I, I, I knew a girl, she was a musician, she was a guitarist, and I, we were like hanging out, and I'm like, oh, let me turn, you like power pop? Let me turn you on to this. And I played her some XTC, and she like shut it down hard immediately, like, nope, I can't get that, I can't get that. We're waiting for Nigel, voice. but we're waiting for yeah, Nigel. We were to like, I know, it was like, it was something off like, you know, English settlement. It was some classic like pounding shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, you know, it was like, uh, um, what's that first one in English settlement, uh, you know, uh, uh, the um, about their neighbor. Uh, um, the opening track is about the uh, uh, about the snobby neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> it's in the order of their hedgerow woes. It's in the way the curtains open and close. Bow bat, bow that up. Bow bat. This is a tremendous, like giant '80s drum sound. Um, 
Yeah. I always so want... I love that. I love I love the sound of those records, but some people can't get past Andy's voice, and that's under, I, that's understandable. One of the few pieces of vinyl like I can I can uh, reach from where I'm sitting is a is an oh, XDC's uh, thing number two. Uh, real quick, yes. one thing that you endorse, and this could be a, like a restaurant in your town, or a brand of drums, or drumsticks, okay. well, or I, shaving I, gear. I, I, I literally I I literally endorse three. I literally endorse three companies. I've been a, I'm a Ludwig drum player. Okay, good. So I'm, if you go to the Ludwig drum site, yeah, if you type in my name, you'll see. Okay, good. So they never gave me nothing for free, but they're, they're no good. good. And that and that's no, that's what nice this people. is. You, we we are a, really, a, a I, I powerful love, love podcast. I'm, I'm a lifelong to me. Like I I love Ludwig drums. I love it. It's a whole other story. I could go on about Ludwig drums at some length. I have been associated with Peisty Cymbals for okay. the past decade or so, and they're a fantastic company. They make incredibly great cymbals. And I also play Vic Firth drumsticks uh, for, I don't know, 20 years. What maybe. was the name of the drumsticks again? Vic, Vic Firth. Okay. Uh, F-I-R-T-H. Okay. Um, they're a fantastic, uh, and I've always been happy with their product, and, I've, uh, and I'm a life, lifelong user of that particular drumstick. So, yes. You so nailed that. But if I had to, yeah. yeah, no, but I actually have endorsements. But I would endorse, there's a local restaurant in Sarasota. Um, there's two, actually. Pad Ta, uh, plan, um, it's called uh, um, uh, 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 Focali, Focali in Sarasota, and, uh, and there's a, uh, and right next to it is another restaurant called um, uh, 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 Melange, Focali and Melange. They're on Main Street in Sarasota. Uh, um, that's my little local plug for those. Like, if, if you if want to get some local awesome food, do me a favor. In this pandemic and keep things floating. Do me a favor. Like places. when we get done with this, shoot me a text with yeah. with uh, those names on it, and yeah, I, I'll absolutely. put I'll put them in the show notes because that's what this is about. Like I, I'm. I'm about like giving a little love to something yeah. small no, some, and independent. We have some local places. They're friends of ours, like Melange, like the people at Melange created, catered my wife and I, our wedding. So we love them. We love their food. They're, they're just the best. We and like right Sarasota a lot. Yeah, it's cool down oh, there. Oh, Sarasota is a fantastic little place. And uh, right next to it is a fantastic faux noodle place where we've been eating for years. And I'm so addicted to like there's one thing on the menu. Everything on that menu is great. It's one of those giant menus. It's got eight pages of like everything. Are you that guy who picks uh, one thing? I've been thing? eating like 37B yeah. for, like, for like four years because I can't get over the coconut, lemon, grass, chicken. I just, oh, it's like crack to me. I can't get over it. Thing number three, if you, we've known each other for about an hour now. And, yeah, and I think, we're, I, I think, I, I thank you. I think this is, uh, the third greatest hour of my life. And I think we're really good <laughs> yeah, friends. No, we're going to hang no, out. No, and, no. um, if you could give me one tip right now to improve oh. the quality of my life, like, cause, cause you know me really well. you like, know me just sure. slightly less like well than my wife. My one, one tip for making Peter a better person, a better human being in the midst of a world pan pandemic. I can't say that word. Uh, what, what would it yeah. be? Huh. Making Peter, what is my advice to, to future Peter? Future Peter. Future Peter. I think about this. <laughs> Good name for a man. Yeah. No, I think about this. <laughs> no, it is. I think about this sometimes, like, you know, the idea of sort of going back and visiting your past self. Or by the same token, visiting your future self. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's like, you know, when you go to therapist, and I know you have. I, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? Well, no, I haven't, but so, uh, no. That's and, okay. I, no, I don't fault you for not going to do that. No, no, and, and let, let me, let me talk about this but, for a second, because like <laughs> sitting across, because this is going to be like episode 200 and 
probably 38 or 39. I'm yeah. not sure. Have you ever been to, yeah. No, okay, I, that's my I, first question for you. Have well, you no, 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 no. Hold on to that. Second. <laughs> like, okay. I, I, I haven't. And, and I used to kind of think it might not be necessary and started, still I started talking to people and everybody has except for me. And I'm, I think maybe yeah. this podcast might've saved me like, yeah. be, because I, I, I pushed this shit out. Like I, I told myself when I started this, I would just say whatever, whatever I was thinking, whatever I was feeling, whatever I, you know, and it, it, I feel really cathartic at the end of all this most of the time. Ah, there you go. Yeah. like it, yes, it, That's what I'm saying. Like when you speak the truth, which most people are not used to doing, like we go through the day with niceties and people that we know really well and we know how to deal with them. Yeah. We know how to not upset them. We know how to make them happy. Like, yeah. And now in this weird position where... I mean, listen, I'm lucky that I'm stuck in a house with my wife and my daughter. To me, that's like a blessing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of people are really, they're stuck alone themselves in a room looking at the wall. Yeah. With roommates, they can't, you know, it's it's a difficult situation for a lot of people. But it does bring on some self, uh, this more than almost anything I can think of, brings on introspection. And sort of, because you have to reassess everything. Yep. I mean, everything. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing, but yes. So I, I, there was a period where I ended up going to, a, a, what was it? A, a, a psychologist. I, I can't remember now. Psychologist. There's a couple of different variations. Of the name. I, I, I've already put it like behind me because it was difficult. Yeah. It was not fun and it was not a good time for me. I did it out of desperation. Sometimes you need to talk to people and well, someone who's objective. A, yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, it was like, I said what I'm saying. The, the thing to me that was interesting about it was that I was in a room with someone whose job was to, whose job, whose duty it was to listen to everything I said, everything I said and how I said it. She had to take me apart from, you know, I'm used to just like, yeah, you know, you and I, we, you know, we're used to sort of casual conversation, friends, family, people we know, people we hardly know, you know, there's a way to do that. But when you're just talking to someone who's like taking you apart, everything you say she throws it back at you and like, like she's really listening. How did that and make this, you feel, Ira? Yeah. yeah. No, it's very, it made me feel very, un- it made me feel very uncomfortable. Why? Well, it made me feel like, <laughs> I felt like I had I'm to, sorry. Yeah, I'm not well, supposed to laugh at that. Yeah. Do. Like, yeah. But, but these are, but you see, but these are good things to do to yourself. Yeah. That's great. Um, if you have to learn to do it to yourself, like you have to ask yourself, that's a hard thing to do. Ask yourself hard questions. Like, why am I doing this? What, what is the reason? Why do I keep doing this behavior or that behavior. This is something we can do for ourselves. Um, but sometimes, yes, having an objective. But we're, but we're voice, taught not to. Then that's the sad part is we're, we're taught to keep that shit bottled up inside yeah. and be well, embarrassed we by it. And, and normal people don't do that and don't tell anybody right. when you're sad right. and, and don't right. brag about your, your achievements. And right. well, I think this is paradigm is changing. I think we, like I said, we're older guys. We come from a, like, you know, I think about my dad's generation who was very, very conservative. My dad was like from the 40s, 50s. Um, you know, like I said, I'm from born in the 60s. I'm really a sort of a 70s mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you carry this, you carry it with you over time. And I think there's been a change over time. Like, like, you know, like, listen, in the 70s, no one, if you had a drug problem, no one went into rehab. No, you just suffer. You know, that wasn't yeah. a thing. Now it's like a TV show. It's yep. Dr. Fucking Drew. <laughs> you know, it's like, and not that it's been demeaned, but it's it's good that it's like commonplace. Like people understand it, they can see it, they can watch it. They go, "Oh, that's what it is." 
I could, that would be good for me. Like those intervention shows on TV, like watching an actual intervention with someone who's like down the hole of being a junkie on whatever it is. That's really informative for someone. Like if you have no, if you on, on you know, someone in your family or someone, your friends is a junkie, that's a fantastic resource to have. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Cause you know what to expect. It, 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 you know, if, if, uh, Steven Adler, I think he was on, uh, whatever junkie show that was, yeah, you know, no, it, he it, was on the, he was on that Dr. Drew thing. Yeah. If, if he's on that, you know, then it's okay for me to reach out and get help. And I, I, and that's, that's why I feel guilty because I always thought, you know, I, I would never have to do that. And I'm, I'm really super blessed, man. Like I, I I'm, I don't know if the stars align, but I still think I'm relatively okay for the most part and i think in the last four years it's because of this it's because i just pour my soul and i it gets me in trouble and a a lot of times i cut shit out that i said but i'm glad i said it and i'll tell my mom and i'll tell my wife don't listen to that one because you don't want to hear that yeah tmi yeah there's something cathartic but there's something cathartic about letting yourself out to the like it's public and sort of is it is it public? Is it private? What is it? Yeah, there, there's been a couple times that I've cried on this thing. It hasn't been a lot, but there there's been a no. couple things that people have asked me that that brought a tear to my eye. And you yeah. know, and I play it off. I, I'm podcast boy. You made me cry. You stupid. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah but no, but, but, it's, but I, it, no, the it, real interaction. That's what people. That's that's what people are, are wanting. They want someone who's going to put their guard down. Yeah, that's a hard thing. That's a very difficult thing to do. That's what songwriters, I guess, are, are tasked with doing, putting your guard down. No, you guys should drop this way harder. I, I hope I yeah. didn't blow one of your questions, but this is your chance oh, to no. ask me your first question. Oh, well, yeah, I would, I, you know, all week I'm like, how do I want to ask someone I don't know? Like, I have anything. No, so let me, well, let me, let me see what I, I made to come. I made a couple of notes. Oh, first of all, you said something earlier, like about, you know, at one point you gave away all your, all your all your CDs, or you gave away your whole collection. Mm-hmm. What's the the one record you regret most of all having given away in that in that hot in that heat? There was one like, why did I get that one away? I get a lot of shit about being a YouTube fan, and and I'll uh, I'll, I'll pre- and rightfully so. I'll, I'll preface this by saying I'm early YouTube up to, upwards. No, that shit was great. Listen, as a drummer, as a drummer in that period, like playing along with the war. Yeah. Big That's drums, workout, huge man. drums. Like I, I a workout. And up to Octune Baby. Like oh, I, Octune I, Baby is one of the greatest records ever. Made, it's it's period. it's beautiful. I don't know I if you've listened to it lately. It sounds a little dated, but but it's still amazing. Yeah, you know, I, know. Um, I was I remember that summer very, very well. Like, my wife and I the second the second song that we played at our wedding was beautiful day. And that's pretty much where we stopped how to dismantle an atomic bomb. Like that's where I stopped caring. Well, that song is also like an unearthly great song. But, uh, there, I, I used to, I used to thrift a lot because I had a different job where I used to spend a lot of time in thrift stores. It's hard to explain. And oh no, I know I read that about you, and that's I, another conversation I would love to have with you because I'm also a fan of like vintage clothing. But we can talk about that. <laughs> you met me at a wrong time. I, I got nothing yeah, left. No, sorry. But yeah, um, no. but I I, uh, I used to spend a lot of time in thrift stores, and when I couldn't find like cool clothes, I would I would spend time in the vinyl section if they had one. And before I ever started this, before I met my wife Dee Dee, before like like, uh, I found a bootleg of U2's. I think it was a fan club album 
of of two stuff when they were in uh, that that studio in Berlin where they recorded Octune Baby. Right, right, right. And it was like Bono scatting over tracks like that would lay, later become, you know, like uh, uh, Acrobat or or uh, Who's Gonna Tame Your Wild Horses. Right. And when I so sold my... kind of like scat singing over... Yeah, like because like, that's what he did at that point. Like, and... Um, oh, yeah. Um, and it was early versions of stuff where you could... And oh. when when I got rid of my vinyl, I sold the vinyl. I gave most of my CDs away or just put them on a box on a curb. And uh, I sold that, and I think I got like fifty bucks for it at the time. It seemed like righteous dollars. Like it seemed like oh, fifty dollars for a CD, for an album Woo-hoo. I paid ninety nine cents for. Like that's you know, <laughs> that's insane. Hey. Um, but I wish I had that back. Like I, 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 I it it sometimes it kills me, and like, and I, I and I know I probably burned a CD of it someplace, but that's also long gone. What was the question? Remind right. me of the question again. I'm sorry. No, and I was like wondering, like what, what you, what you had, uh, what, oh, got, got rid of it. it, it what you got rid of it. You regret getting rid of. that. That one bothers me. I, right. I also, at at some point, I um, I acquired a copy of the some kind of wonderful soundtrack. I don't know if know if you're if you're even some kind of wonderful. Some, it had Eric Stoltz in it. Um, okay. Um, the soundtrack was amazing, and there was a. A copy. There was a song on it by a band called Lick the Tins, an Irish band, and they did a cover of, of "I Can't Help Falling in Love with You." Wow! And, and it's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Wow! It, and I bought it for like fifty bucks on eBay, and I sold it for like a hundred dollars. And I kind of really? want it back, and I can I can look it up, but owning it again it was would, a You got you got a hundred dollars. I I'm pretty good at, at buying stuff and selling it. It was that rare. You could. Yeah. 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 It was pretty rare. Like, you know, and it was an original copy, you know, and that's a lot of money for a record. Yeah. Well, it was like, again, this is pre like Napster and stuff. So oh, right. like, and this was so actually, didn't know. It, it was actually it was a CD. It, it was actually a CD that I sold for, I think it was like uh, 95. I made a lot oh, of money wow. off, off of well, what yeah. I thought at the time good, was, a good margin on was a fairly good investment. <laughs> but then I, I, I start to think about like when I sold my records, I started like I sold them online. Like I didn't, I didn't give the vinyl away. Like I, I, right. I gave the CDs away because they didn't mean much to me. The vinyl meant something to me. Right. So I did my CDs for an iPhone. It's <laughs> solid, <laughs> solid, like so choice. I, I um, but but I I sold the vinyl and like the people who I sold the vinyl to were like you know, um, and a lot of them were like DJ copies, like twelve inches of stuff. So yeah. like if someone was looking for um. Um, a George Lamont, you know, a uh, uh, Miami freestyles like a twelve inch, like they were looking yeah. for that because it was it wasn't in print like for more than a couple two months, so they right. they got a good deal on something. It was clean. I felt I felt okay with my what I I wasn't overcharging them. Right. Um, I I don't know, man. Like the, those, but those two ones, they they actually haunt me a little bit, and, and I kind of wonder if they're as good as I I remember them being. Um, question number one for you. Okay. Are you okay? Do you need oh. to take a break? Are you good? No, I'm, I'm going to no, actually I'm, ask you, I'm going to ask you some questions I've, I've now. Never, 
I've never felt better in my life. Okay, good. So I'm, gl I'm glad that we've reached this this spot in your life that, that we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to be okay. I'm going to ask you like some... I feel like $100. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> we're going to move into like a 105 or something. Question number one for you. Without regards yeah. to physics, you are immortal. You can either be, have... God damn it. I can't see the screen. Hold on a so second. Take yeah. it easy now. I know. A question number I'm one for anywhere. you. Um, I'm not going anywhere. There's a fucking plague on. <laughs> without, without regards to physics, you are immortal. But you either have to be 10 times your current height or one-tenth your current height. And it'll only last for one week. What do you choose? So you have to be 10, 10 times higher or 10 times shorter. But it only lasts like for a that, week. This is like that movie by Ray Eames and his wife. I, I've never said these were smart things. Is that a good... Is that smart? Did you ever see that movie? I don't know. I don't know who that person is. It's called... It's called... Um, called like measures of 10 okay it's at ray eames you know the designer of the eames chair oh yeah, yeah i know that guy i and didn't it, know he made films and, yeah yeah, ray eames, yeah. I, mean, I was i was unclear but he made a couple of he and his wife were they made movies together and one of the ones the famous ones they made was called uh, not measures of 10 something of 10 okay uh, I'm, I'm, i feel stupid for not remembering but i think you're you're, was, you're pretty much started with like a square like a square inch of grass on the ground okay he went out times 10 and times 10 is 10 and they go back like you know like 100 inches and then you know and then 100 and, and they end up like a couple of times 10 out you're like the universe level looking down at the earth as a little spot so they're just like and then they go the opposite way they come back down and they go measures of 10 into the dirt uh, magnitudes of 10 okay into the ground okay yeah cells and it's an amazing thing so okay so back to your question so what do i want to be 10 times my size or 10 times shorter big yeah for one hour, how long? Uh, for uh, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Uh, one week. Twenty-four hours. One week. What's what's my time frame? One week. You got a week. You're you're you're. I got a week. I yeah. got a week at small you're, or tall. You're not going to fit in a lot of stuff. You're going to be too short to grab well, stuff. Here's what I'm saying. Tall. Yeah. A week at really tall. Yeah. A call of a lot of attention to myself. Yeah. I, don't, uh, I mean, I'll be like sixty feet tall. Yeah. So like the authorities will be like everyone will be bothering me. You're a tall glass of water, aren't you? You're you're like I mean, six I'm tall four, already. six like, five. I'm used yeah. To being tall. yeah. I want to know what it's like to be small. Okay, I'm good. Going the other way. It's the right I'm answer. Go, like really small. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be hard. Yeah. But uh, it'll be an adventure, and I'll probably just get baked, and it'll probably. <laughs> okay. Question number two for you. <laughs> That's, yeah. I like the getting baked part <laughs> because yeah. because actually uh, liquor or drugs are yeah every, every, and, and it's really a value. You need like a thimbleful, and you're all fucked up. Um, question number two for you, and I threw this up on the group page. Got a good conversation list recently, uh, and it, yeah. this is actually a tall thing also. Um, okay. And I I don't think you said how tall you are. But without I'm, without describing in feet, inches, or uh, using the metric system, how tall are you? I'm as tall as um, I'm as tall as I'm at least as tall as your dad was. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> I, how tall. do you know how tall my dad was? <laughs> I'm taking a wild guess. Okay, <laughs> that's creepy, That's man. my answer. I'm okay. at least as tall as your dad. Okay, was. I think you're as tall as Joey Ramone was because I actually checked. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, okay. I also. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to drop names here. Okay. But I also met Joey Ramone. Okay. You are trying to drop names and that's okay. It's cool. Are you, he, he's Joey six, Ramone is taller than you? Joey was about six, five. Okay. I'm about six. I'm about six, two. What does Joey Ramone smell like? Like, is he, does he oh, smell okay? Like, I feel like he I might smell okay. Having, I don't remember him smelling either good nor bad. Okay. So in like Joey Ramone is like neutral. No, yeah. He, okay. No, Joey was an odd character in that he looked <laughs> really? like. Really? Remember like, yeah, he, uh, it was not a character in that. First of all, 
I'm from the same neighborhood. I grew up in Forest Hills. He grew up in Forest Hills. I'm from the same neighborhood, and I could hardly understand him. His, his <laughs> accent, his Queen's accent was, he kind of talked like, like you would imagine, kind of talk, uh, like, you know, kind of talk like this. He was like Vinny Barbarino or something. It was, <laughs> it was kind of hard for me to make out. Um, and uh, so we had the rare opportunity, not a surf, uh, uh, this is around 1999. Mm -hmm. We had the rare opportunity to sort of, he needed a backup band and we were like, hey, we'll do that. <laughs> sure. To play what? Like, oh, we have to play uh, uh, Sedated? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know that song. What is that song? That. What? <laughs> so Daniel and Matthew and I sat in our rehearsal room for, I don't know, two weeks. Okay. We had other things to do, but yeah. you know what we did the whole time? Play we played sedated, sedated <laughs> at the and it's, its original tempo. If you if you hear the forty five, now like in nineteen seventy, whatever seven yeah. eight, yeah, that song was like the fastest thing anyone had ever heard ever in their lives. Like you got windburn yeah. listening to that song, but nowadays when you hear that song, it seems rather moderate. <laughs> It's kind of da, 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 it's a pop da, song. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it is a pop song. Nothing, and and I don't mean that in a pejorative. It's a fantastic pop song, and it is decidedly mid-tempo. And so that's the way the three of us pounded it out for two weeks. In like, we're going to meet Joey Ramone. We're going to play this song. We're going to be the Ramones, and Joey Ramone is going to sing this song, and we're going to go da 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 da. Okay. Did you so really practice? For, did you practice for two weeks for one song? Well. We were in rehearsal for probably we were making a record. We, we had a okay, okay. Oh, so, so, we so you were making a record. Other things. <laughs> you should have been doing something not, on, for not a serve, but, but we spent a the lot, Ramones. We spent a lot of time yeah. doing that because number one, it was fun to do. It's yeah, fun to think about doing. Yeah, and we so we spent an enormous amount of time <laughs> just running it over and over to make sure we had every detail of it. Yeah. So because it's it's beautifully simple. It's a yeah. very lovely, simple, powerful song. So <laughs> so. We get into rehearsal with him, and he's uh, not by himself. He came with his uh, sort of producer, guitarist, uh, Daniel Ray, a lovely guy. And he was sort of Joey's go-between, because Joey honestly was not the most... Eh, he wasn't like in an open, like, hey, hi, hi, everybody. He yeah, he's a Ramon. I, I get it. He was a little it. bit yeah, closed yeah, 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 yeah. He was not going to walk in a room and like shake hands and go, hi, I'm Joey Ramon. Oh. Like, he was a kind of a closed-off individual. He wouldn't come and on my Daniel podcast. Ray was just kind of like a running block for him. He was kind of like his manager, let's say. Um, and we were all, we understood that. And, you know, like we're all like, listen, Joey, he could have walked, whatever, like all respect to Joey Ramon. Like I said, I'm from Forest Hills myself. So I'm like, I couldn't believe my good luck. So we do this rehearsal and we go through a Stooges. We learned a Stooges song where we learned, uh, 1969. Uh, 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 and so, uh, being the drummer, I'm like, okay, I'm going to count off. And one, two, and, and, and uh, Daniel Ray stops me. He goes, oh, let, let me count off. And as a drummer, my instincts are all, yeah, yeah, yeah. all weirded out already. <laughs> I can't keep, I, I, you've ruined my and, drumming. Yeah. Yeah. But in the Ramones, Dee Dee always counted off. And yeah. I, I wasn't thinking about that at the time. But anyway, I'm like, uh, yes, Daniel Ray, please, you count off. <laughs> and I swear to God, he did a full on Dee Dee Ramone. Uh -huh. One, two, three, four. Really fucking fast. Like if I counted, if I played as fast as he counted off, I would have been going. I don't know, like 180, 190 beats per minute. It would be like a polka song if I played it that fast. And so he kind of, I'm like, and in my little drummer brain, I went, "This is bad. This is bad. Not, I shouldn't be proud of this." But in my little drummer brain, I went, "Hey, listen, motherfucker, you count up as fast as you fucking want." And not, he went, he went one, two, three, four, and I went. 
<laughs> and I laid it right down the pike. And for the next three minutes, we motored right through. At the end of which, and I, this is the thing I remember the most, yeah. Joey Ramone himself mm -hmm. turned around, looked at the three of us and said, hey, man. No, it's like the old days. And, <laughs> You're Metrodon. Perfect. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'll never forget Joey Ramone saying that to my face. Man, man, it was just like the old days. I thought I was going to die and go to heaven. Like, that, put that on my fucking tombstone, bro. Uh, I, Joey Ramone, quote, that was just like the old days. That's perfect. Like, yeah, I'm a Mar I'm a Marky Ramone fan. So anyway, uh, okay. uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a Tommy Ramone fan. I should yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a Tommy Ramone. Fan. I, I am. Um, a, I, I worked in a, a record shop when the Didi Ramone rap album came out. Uh, Didi King. Oh yeah. Are you familiar with yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was fun for about a minute and a half. Uh, yeah, Christ, no, Christ, I'm not. And again, the like the nerve a, of that guy. We we were fans. Like we we played yeah. a lot of Didi Ramone. Nice. Question yeah. number three for you. Uh, what villain, uh, be it fictional or real, uh. Are are you sort of a fan of? Okay, can I call the question again? What villain? Like, because uh, I I kind of like Hannibal Lecter in a weird way because I I like the fact that like he's oh. he's okay with like eating someone he right. finds disagreeable to right. society. Right. Okay, so what villain do I identify with? Yeah, do you sort of agree with you know? Eh, I could get behind that, you know. And I guess maybe you don't have to answer this because you know. Okay, well let yeah. me think, let me yeah. dwell on that first. Yeah. Um, I just said I, I'm okay with eating people I disagree with. So yeah, well, yeah. you know, your cannibalism thing is well known on the internet. So I don't sure. think you're really high. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's big in the podcast community. About, yeah, yeah. Between your 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 rampant transvestism and cannibalism, I mean, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think everyone's kind of really got you figured out. Uh, but, trust um, me, yeah. uh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Call uh, back. Let's see. Uh, you know, off the top of my head, who's I'm trying to think like what villain just pops into my mind. I don't know the first villain I think of is the guy from like, is from like, uh, like uh, uh, the villain from uh, Goldmember. You know, like uh, Michael <laughs> Ma Mike Myers. You know, like uh, the villain I think of is it's basically like Lauren Michaels. <laughs> I, I I I don't I don't even know what his his agenda was, but I, I'm on, on board. You know, I I, I yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a villain identified. He completely. A completely, you know, like you know, I love that character. It's in uh, uh, my daughter's. I love these movies. Um, uh, uh, it was called. Um, it's one of those uh, animated kids movies, and it's the he's like this Russian supervillain. It's, it's Steve Carell does the voice. <laughs> oh, uh, he's the it, one with the long nose with the minions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I. I. I yeah. I. I know them, but I. I know I minions, and they annoy me because they sell pizza. Like three of those movies yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that character. I love that guy. Okay. That's I, a great, that's a fantastic villain. Because he's kind of okay. He's kind of like sweet. He, he just needs like a father figure and some love in his yeah. life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, oh, he's much better even, than Hannibal you know, Lecter. I'm, yeah. I'm not an Adam Sandler. I openly despise Adam Sandler. <laughs> but, his, but his Dracula, father Dracula character in those Transylvania, Hotel Transylvania movies, pretty pretty funny all right i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go with you're the dad i, I i've never seen any of those um your second My, question so the, the only villains i'm giving you are comedy villains. no that's fine I, I said i would eat humans so so i think you you answered it correctly yeah. I, I i was like i i would i would yeah. eat somebody who i yeah. found like just just yeah. kind of annoying to me oh like, yeah you know i really like the guy with the girl down in the well <laughs> no no not not buffalo bill not yeah, buffalo really bill with that guy buffalo like hannibal someone, lecter someone's skin a little bit that later. that hannibal lecter like he that that guy who played the wrong note in that second movie you see his head twitch a little bit and he's like, <laughs> right. he's like he ruined a symphony and i'm okay with that uh, um yeah. your second question to me please no my second question to you 
this is not this is not an earth shattering one. I, I you know someone I hardly know. I, I feel weird asking you like nah, I don't. You know, did you ever make out with a boy in college? Here's my question to you: Did you uh, ever make out with a boy in college? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I didn't go to college, so do I play an instrument? Yeah, after college you made out with a boy. That's no, cool. I, 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 yeah. I, I wish I could play an instrument. I've tried. You don't play any instrument. No, I, I DJ'd for a little bit, and and I do kind of consider turntables an instrument. Uh, sure. And, and no, I was I was fairly okay with a set of turntables, especially considering now, if you if you could imagine yourself playing an instrument, what would that instrument be? Um, I I at this jazz jump, saxophone at this point it would be jazz piano. It would be Bill Evans. It would be jazz you know, piano. You'd be like a Bill Evans style jazz pianist. Yeah, yeah. I I I want to I want to just because you're deep. I just, I, is, is that it? I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 I just want to lean over and kind of like smoke a cigarette and, and look cool. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. I, because none of it makes sense to me. And, and I find it like oddly comforting. The, the wrong notes are there. Yeah. And, and, and th yet we it, still it, kind of appreciate the beauty in those be long notes. It'll be beautiful. Oh, I, I, I don't know why I like it. And that's why no, I have. We, we were talking earlier about like music and, and, and trying to find new music. And, and the more I get yeah. into like music, the more I find myself on some jazz station and going like what Coleman Porter, what is that? You know, like oh, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, my wife plays a couple different instruments and she was screwing around the piano yeah. for a couple like weeks, like probably yeah. at the end of last year. And she was like, I'm playing, I'm taking this, this YouTube jazz series. And she would sit hmm. here in Rosie land and play the keyboard. And I, I, I was like, please continue doing that. All I want to do is fuck you right now. Like it's, it's yeah. the sexiest thing. Like it, it's <laughs> just to just sit there and, and, and I'm sure you can do it on drums and you play other instruments, correct? Like you, you can I, I play a guitar a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I play the piano a little bit. I'm a very amateur piano player. Playing an instrument, trying to master an instrument is a fantastic challenge for your brain it's a fantastic you know if you can suit of simply like i'm a terrible guitarist and a terrible piano player but there's something deeply satisfying about being able to just bang out a few chords and sing a song over the top of it it doesn't need to be like you know you need to be like a virtuoso and that that's just be, like yeah that's the beauty of it that being said you're doing something that most of the world can't do first of all so if you're a shitty guitarist you're a better guitarist than i am and i've tried well you know, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, but the basics and, of it really, you know, I've been doing it on and off. Like my whole life has been like focused on this. So I've had a lot of free time to sort of, you know, put in the basic skills. to you know, learn a couple of chords on the guitar. I can't play a solo or anything. I, I, I can accompany myself through like a Beatles song or whatever, but you know, um, the skill set is not that, you know, it's like if you learn to like, if you were into like, I don't know, uh, skateboarding, you know, and you spend a couple of weeks just like skateboarding and you fell down and you skateboarded until you figured, until you could do a couple of ollies. I, I, the same I, thing as playing the guitar. I jokingly the told my wife, like, I, I can do whatever I put my mind to it if I spent enough time. Look, like the joke, yeah. the running joke is like the X games. Remember the X games? I, yeah. I, I always tell my wife, if you gave me two weeks on a ramp, I, I could be in the X games. But I just choose right. not to like I like yeah. I, I like I I know what I'm good at. I know what my limitations right. are right. and I know what I spend my time on. And I've right. spent right. I spent years, probably a few well, years, probably a couple months of my life trying to figure out how to play an instrument. It's just not yeah. there that the connect between right. my brain and my fingers. It, right. It's right. it's something yeah, it's like an obsession. For, yeah, for me, it's a small it's a kind of it has to be an obsession. Like, you know, that given like a few. Yeah. Given X amount of time. 
you can master it just enough that you can kind of like that's how I feel about the piano. Like I've been around pianos all my life, and actually the first instrument my mom tried to get me to take piano lessons when I was like nine. Yeah, that's a mom and instrument. I, yeah, I you know I hated it. I hated it, and I didn't like the I didn't mind like the piano. I mean, there's a piano in my house, but the piano the lessons I didn't like. So I didn't mind like like kind of exploring myself on the piano, which is that's, that's what I eventually did over time. Jazz. I spent enough time at the piano understanding like oh I understand how everything's laid out. And I was like a music minor in college, so I know basically stuff about like chords and keys and circle of fifths. So I know some basics about how music is kind of put together, you know, the structural aspects of it. So I know something which is fascinating too to someone who's really crunchy like me. Yeah. Sort of like the technical aspects of like how chord motion works and you know, major and minor chords and all this stuff. It's kind of a really fun little, it's like alchemy. It's like chords mean stuff. You know, like a major chord versus a minor chord. Major chords are happy. Minor chords are sad. So you Why got all that? that as a young person though. Like I, well, no, I over the years, I, yeah. I no, not as a young person over the many years, I keep finding it. Like I keep, but I'm drawn to that kind of stuff. Like I always see it and drawn to it. I remember watching when I was, uh, when I was a kid on channel 13 in the seventies, they showed a series of lectures this is like 1973 or four. They showed lectures on Channel 13. It was five lectures by Leonard Bernstein at Harvard. And over the course of these one-hour lectures, I think it was like, it was five of them, seven of them? I think it was seven of them. Bernstein at Harvard. And like seven-hour-long programs. And in each one, he talked about, the, the premise for the thing was, um, okay, we all understand that music is the universal language, blah, blah, blah. Well, what do we mean when we say that? How is it? What is the mechanism by which music communicates with us? Can I can I show this to you? And so here's Leonard Bernstein, a very knowledgeable <laughs> guy, oh, yeah. taking this very expansive concept, but really uh, aiming it at pedestrians. Not, I mean, it was at Harvard, and everyone in the audience had like patches on their sleeves. And it was very, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, like a Harvard heady. audience. Yeah. But it was on public television, and it was meant for lay people to try to understand how music works. And it was, it's, I've watched it many times over the years. And it is, for someone who is like, just loves music, but music is kind of a mystery, it's one of those things that is just so nutcracking. You just cannot believe it. And he is such a charismatic teacher that you're happy to sit and watch this guy for an hour sort of just be fucking fabulous. Because Leonard Bernstein was so charismatic, you just cannot, like, it ju he jumps off the screen. Like, you wish you had a teacher half this good. What anyway, year was this? So over the years, I've watched that. What it's year was that? The, what year was the it? Norton, the Norton Lectures. Yeah. I, I, um... And it's one of those things that over the years, I keep going back to it and I learn new stuff, like about how, you know, like about how music works and how like you hit one note on a piano and you kind of hear all these overtones of all the other notes. I, I, it, it's, oh, it's crazy stuff. I love it. But that's the kind of thing like my mind is drawn to that stuff. I'm, I'm completely uh, captivated by it. I, I like it's, it's the one regret in my life and I don't know what it is. I, there's something mathematical about it that I don't get and I can't like I, I've tried. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I think one of the beauties of the podcast is I get to talk to people. And I, I like I said, I was a fairly yeah. good DJ. Like I, I got into yeah. it too late and, and, um, well, that's a rhythm. You have yeah. a good rhythmic sense. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, I, I could read a crowd and I wasn't afraid to talk on the right. mic, which most DJs at the time weren't, were, were afraid of, but I, um, uh, it, it's, 
it's it's the, a hard job. I was a, I my girl. I had a girlfriend who was a club DJ many years ago. That's a hard job. I tried it myself. That yeah. is a that's a very high pressure job. You really put a lot of pressure on yourself to keep people on the floor. Uh, uh, you know, like you know, they're gonna take take a break, get a drink, come back. Like you're trying to keep the energy up. Eh, monkeys can do it. Like now, now anybody with any any anybody with an iPad can do it now. Right. Like I, I was yeah. turntables. Uh, we're gonna take right. a break. And, okay. um, uh, usually I play music and breaks, but for some reason sure. I was just too lazy to look it up. But if you want a song, if you, if you want to hum a song, email me over at Scott's a good conversation at gmail.com. And if it doesn't suck, I will play it. Uh, here's a commercial. If you're like me right now, there's two things you want to do. You want to help the community out by supporting local and you want to drink craft beer, red light, red light beer parlor has been doing craft beer locally here in Central Florida since the beginning of the craft beer movement, and they're going to continue doing it. Right now, they're open selling beer to go to you. Sundays and Mondays from noon to 6, close Tuesdays because they need time to rest too, and open every other day from noon to 9. Award-winning craft beer, and you can get beer to go from any one of their 300 bottles and cans red light red light beer parlor is conveniently located in the audubon park garden district at 2810 kareen drive support local drink craft beer tell them we sent you red light red light beer parlor have you been injured on the go remember just call mo just call mo.com this part of the podcast is brought to you by Compass Box Whiskey. They make scotch, and they make it yeah. really super well. And I'm, we love drugs. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking across. <laughs> I'm looking across that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bottles of scotch, and I, I want to drink every single one of them. You probably in your town might be able to order a bottle of scotch from your local liquor store. Ask for Compass Box Whiskey. And also, this part of the podcast is brought to you by your button guy. He makes buttons for my podcast uh he makes buttons for a lot of local podcasts and bands here in town if you need uh, if you need a button uh there's two ways to get a hold of him he doesn't have a website he doesn't have a phone number he's on instagram he's on facebook your button guy is my button guy he's he's very old school he's he's fairly priced he's does has a great product and he's got a great beard and beautiful eyes uh (laughs) question love him I do. He's, he's, he's the cat's meow. Question number four for you. And it's an email and they are sponsored by the Nook on Robinson. They are a bar here in Orlando. And currently right now, as we speak on this, uh, on this day, they are closed because of the coronavirus. And, oh, I won't drink to that. No, no, you you should drink to that because <laughs> I'm hoping when this all gets done, we can have a big, glorious party and not a surf will play. <laughs> oh, I love that. Idea. Maybe not. <laughs> um, I love that. But but uh, now, listen, uh, weird, stranger things have happened. But uh, they are located in the Milk District here in Orlando, and they're about art, and they're about music, and they're about poetry, and they're about ah. local beers and good times and uh what i need you to do as a listener whether you live in town or not is give a follow to the nook on robinson and with the minute they open i want you to uh buy a t-shirt to give money to their paypal so they can pay their bartenders again and then show up at the bar the minute they open we love them 
They are located at uh, 2432 East Robinson Street. This uh, email is uh, titled uh, Slightly Used Toilet Paper for Sale. (laughs) And it says, so I'm in line at customer service at Target, and the lady in front of me is trying to return 15 super-sized packages of toilet paper. What? I I offered to buy it from her but uh, at a profit, and she said no. Weird, right? Would... (laughs) (laughs) that that threw me off Uh, what would you say to a person in line behind you if you were her so you're trying to you're you're trying to return 15 (laughs) packets of toilet paper in the midst of a toilet paper crisis right Uh, what would I say to her at a profit you were going to buy like this this person was going to buy the toilet paper at a profit no Mm -hmm. oh I, I oh Oh man, I don't know what I would say. I really don't. What would I say to a person like that? Oh, I, I don't know. I just can't. Im- that's such a weird, otherworldly setup. I can't even imagine that happening. I'm thinking maybe this person wanted to do the right thing and return the toilet paper, get their money back. They they probably could have right. donated it someplace, but you know, the, the world's right. an uncertain place right now, and they weren't trying yeah. to make money off their. They're right. spur of yeah. the moment, yeah. mass hysteria, yeah, toilet I, paper yeah, buy. Yeah, so yeah, that, no, that's I like that. I like that altruistic interpretation. I, I also, and I'm not going to reveal who who to sign this because I was going to shit on this. I think yeah. you're a bad person for not <laughs> for not letting them do this and thinking they're a good person. I could be wrong. They might be nuts, but I right. I think maybe they probably should have told you. You know, I'd rather put this back. And they probably could have yeah. given it to people in the parking lot coming up. That's hopefully right. what I would have done. Maybe, you know, hey, you need some toilet paper or homeless. That yeah. might have been a really good thing. But right. I, I don't. To- like, like, like Trump, you could have tossed it out. To the, uh, uh, yeah, the exactly. You could have tossed out toilet paper when, when things get really bad. Yeah, there you <laughs> Be- go, folks. Because, the yeah, because, he, you know, he's got the best toilet paper. Uh, um, I, 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 you know, uh, who are you to judge person <laughs> in, in Target? Yeah. In the customer service yeah. line, I'm sure they had yeah, nothing about. So it's it's so easy to judge. I'm I'm not. I'm sure they had nothing but the best intentions, and now I'm shitting yeah. on somebody who emailed me. Please yeah. email me again yeah. at Scotch and Good Conversation at Gmail. <laughs> dot com. Uh, here is a commercial. Have you been injured on the go? Remember, just call Mo. Just call Mo. Dot com. Life is crazy lately, right? Last thing you want to do is worry about what you're going to eat tonight. Truffle, mac, and cheese. You want it, La Femme du Fromage has got it. Give them a call. 407-571-9947. You can order that or you can order anything from their extensive menu. Plus beer, plus wine. You just roll right up to the East End Market, run in and grab it. No hassle no crowds, and everything is delicious, locally made. La Femme du Fromage is Orlando's cheese shop. Give them a follow on all the social media to keep up with what's going on, and make sure you support local. Let them know you heard about them on Scotch and Good Conversation. manners make people happy and a good table manners make eating together a happy time
we are thankful for our home and our happy meal. We are glad we have good table manners and know what to do with a napkin. And how to use a spoon in eating soup easily without noise. Dinner and good conversation. It's like scotch and good conversation, only we talk with our mouths full of food. Available anywhere you find podcast or dagcpodcast.com. Question number six. We, we are almost done. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> as it has flown by, what would an average person's outfit look like if the world wasn't telling them what they should dress like sub question. If you were able to dress whatever you wanted to feel on a daily basis, what would you wear? Oh, those are two awesome questions. So let's get to the first one. So let me get this right. What would people, let's restate that. What would people wear if, what would an average person dress like if society didn't? Oh, well, I think the average person does not. I think, listen, I spent a lot of time in airports. And so I know about people. <laughs> and, and so and so let me tell you, the average person cares not one iota about how they come across to other people. Because the average adult male in this country is in a striped sports shirt. They look like they're an overgrown eight-year-old. They look like something like a Something out of like a, a little rascals cartoon. Not everybody can be as pretty hat. as you and they've I, a, man. They've got a ball cap on backwards, forwards, backwards, or yeah, half yeah, yeah. one side. They're wearing cargo shorts <laughs> and horribly large, misshapen modern sneakers. <laughs> um, uh, they look like uh, sort of like shapeless and colorless. Everyone's in khaki and blue and wearing a t-shirt from a Hard Rock Cafe. They may or may not have visited in Albuquerque. Um, I don't get it. Um, so that's the world to me. That's, and everyone dresses, that's how everyone dresses in the world to me. Like, like loose because they're, they're, they've let themselves go so badly <laughs> that if they wear anything that has four shapes to them or touches their bodies, you'll be like horrified and run the other way. So that's the way the world works. I'm one of those people who like, like I can't, I refuse to let myself get soft around the middle. I won't do it. I'm not letting that ever happen. So, um, uh, and I'm lucky, like Jeanette, my dad is the same way. Like we're both like sort of skinny, tall, skinny kind of dudes. My dad's like a tennis player. Well, okay. was till recently, like a pretty constant tennis player. So it was always like, you know, running around, like burning of energy. Yeah, 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 burning I off mean, the if you wait, if my dad weighed over, if my dad, who's also like, let's say my dad's about six foot, I'd be surprised if my dad weighed ever weighed over 180 pounds. I mean, I've never weighed over 175. My oh my goodness, you six, you are I'm skinny, six man. Two. Yeah, yeah, you. I'm six you, two. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I refuse. I, I, I'm religious about it because I don't want to get old and paunchy. I I refuse to let that happen. So I am very like, but I, like I said, I'm lucky. I do a couple of sit ups and a couple of push ups, and I don't. And I eat cheeseburgers all day long, and I still don't get fat. <laughs> Gummy bro. So yeah. So hate me, just hate me. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, can, I look I better can, than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, I have, I have, I have, I have, still have a spectacular metabolism. I'm, I'm really, really lucky. Uh, anyway, what was the question? Oh, and and what what would you wear given the chance to oh, just what wear, would I wear? Listen, get, like com- wear, ultimate I comfort. Like, you know who I love? Like I love Prince. Okay. <laughs> Prince. He dresses Prince. really Let, let's, cool. Let's take a quick look at Prince. <laughs> Prince at one point said, "Like I'm going to come across. I'm just going to like reinvent myself from the ground up, and I'm over and over literally, again. yeah." I'm literally a fucking prince. So he like, he got the collar, he got all these, he had everything made to his specs. I mean, he's only about five. Yeah, he's, he's five foot nothing. Yeah, yeah. He's a very tiny little yeah. guy. He was like, what, five, 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 six? <laughs> he's, he's just the, the, he's. No, he, I, yeah, he he's, was five. He was, he was a small fellow. Coolest motherfucker in the world is what he was. Like every suits made tailored right to his, he always had a pair and whatever suit he had made, he had a pair of matching high heeled shoes, mm-hmm. three inch boots to go with him. So he had a purple polka dot suit and purple <laughs> polka dot shoes. He had a fucking orange velvet suit. He had an orange velvet shoes. Like, and then he, for 30 years, he jumped around on stage every night for three hours at a time, splits, kicks, James Brown, uh-huh. up down until he blew his knees and his yeah. hips his out. His hips, I'm about to say his hips that's were what, blowing that's the what shit. Killed him. Yeah. That's, that's what, and that's what killed him. Yeah. And he was too proud to, and he was too proud to say anything about it because he was like, the, he was a control freak of the highest order because yeah, he was a really unusual individual. Can't, but anyway, can't I'm dance always in hills. I'm amazed by how he invented himself and kept reinventing himself. Like, and he would take little changes in style. Like, that guy was a style monster. I would dress like Prince. But like I'd be like, <laughs> if you dress like Prince and you're six two, you just look like a fucking psychotic. Yeah, you you, you might look a little you know, crazy. No, like you he, have to be he, small. He was owning it. Stealthy. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was peacocking. Size. Yeah, he he was peacocking at the best. You you'll stick out. So I'm. Uh, I don't. You you seem to dress cool. You you you. Uh, no, I'm like a guy. Like I want to like I like yeah. I'm very self conscious about how I. Like once I go out in the world, like when I'm working, yeah, I'm like it's kind of I won't say a costume, but for example, I go on stage every night in a uniform. That I wear the same thing every night. I could wear anything I want, yeah, yeah. and no one, no one would say anything to me if I wore a tutu or if I wore a t-shirt <laughs> yeah. or if I wore a fur coat. Like it doesn't matter what I wear. But I have like a series of black shirts, just like black sort of sleeve shirts with really stiff collars on them that don't melt. So no matter how hot it is, yeah, my collar looks like I'm, at a, you know, like I'm still have it together, even if I'm like totally sweaty. My collar doesn't flop down onto my shirt. So I have a series of these shirts, and before the show, I, this is my uniform. I put the shirt on, I put a vest on, and I feel like okay, I'm. Re- it's like a, it's like getting into gear, like into battle gear, and it's part of the psychology of my job. So and I know like. And I know I've experimented. Like I'm going to wear a polka dot shirt. I'm going to wear this shirt. I'm going to wear that shirt. And then later I see pictures of myself. And it looks like a clown vomited on me, or it looks like a bad paisley. <laughs> Did you explosion. say a clown vomited on me? Yeah, or like I'm like it's why never a good look. Was, yeah. Well, yeah. Why was I? Why did I wear that? Like the only pictures I ever looked always good in is like I'm in black. I'm like, oh, there you go. You know, so it's perfect. It, it, it's uniform. ageless. Like, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, and and the the shoulders are square. It look. I always like I have. I I give the impression that I've got it together. That's half the job. It worked for Roy Orbison. Give the audience the impression yeah. that you've got it together. That, that, that's so, yeah, that's so fine. I'm very, I'm very self-conscious. I'm very like uh, conscious about how I 
you're lucky exactly. you're back there behind something also so if you look good for the well, waist up you only see me from the waist up anyway so yeah, i can yeah, wear you, like yeah. yeah well tommy lee i remember seeing tommy lee Boy. all he had on was a pair of sneakers <laughs> yeah, and he had and a black a thong yeah with with, with some sort of leather thong <laughs> yeah he's and also blessed with a good metallitis yeah yeah well he's tom, he's tommy lee uh, uh last question second to last question actually sure. uh, and we're going to go through a list of drummers because I know you have an opinion on some drummers, and I want you to rate. Oh, Lord. I want you to quickly, without thinking about it, rate these drummers on a scale of one to ten. Okay, yeah. uh, Larry Mullen Jr. Go. Uh, one, to, one being the worst, ten being the best. Yes. Larry Mullen is a solid six. Wrong. Uh, Dave. No, I, I don't know. Like I, I honestly don't know. Like I, I just like screaming wrong. No, that's uh, good. That's uh, okay. Dave. Maybe, Dave Grohl. Maybe he's an eight. Know, maybe Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl is a solid. One to ten? Yeah. Dave Grohl's got to be a ten. Now. Okay. Uh, Travis Barker. Travis Barker. Uh, you know, a lot of people rate him. I give him a. I give him a. I give him a. I give him a seven. Okay. Uh, Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich. Oh, controversial. Um, mm -hmm. Buddy Rich te technique. I give him a ten. Okay. Uh, style. I, I, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give Buddy Rich a nine. Okay. I'm gonna let Dave Grohl have a ten and Buddy Rich have a nine. That's how I feel. Uh, uh Pete Thomas from Elvis Costello and the Attraction. He's like eleven, but okay. yeah, okay, ten. Ten. Uh, Earl Hudson from Bad Brains. Earl Hudson, Bad Brains. I am. Uh, uh, I gotta give him a solid. He's also a niner. Like I, 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 Bad Brains are not in my wheelhouse room, but yeah. I understand. Like being the drummer in the Bad Brains, that's a that's a high. That's a that's not an easy job. I gotta give him a nine just for like uh, for difficulty of execution. Uh, Alex Van Halen. Alex Van Halen. Love Alex Van Halen. I'm also gonna give him. I'm gonna give him Alex an an eight. Okay. Uh, Tony Thompson. He drummed for Robert. Oh, Robert Paul. You know who he is. Okay. Well, uh, for anybody else Tony listening, Thompson, uh, Tony it, Thompson is it, one of the most. Tony Thompson is the '80s. Okay. Yeah. He is everything. Robert Tony Palmer, Thompson, Madonna, and Chic Good Times. I have yeah. in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Power Station. Yeah. They they uh, talked about him replacing John Bonham and Zeppelin. Yeah, and probably not the best idea. But however, uh, <laughs> uh, he uh, the funny thing is, uh, go back and l listen to. Um, but he took Bowie took him out on the, I think it was um, the Serious Moonlight tour. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. They would have been the mid '80s, and there was a lot of the cocaine. Okay. Happened. No, the, the, the get out of here! Get and out of here! What, yeah. Tony Thompson. Listen, Tony Thompson died young. Oh. Why do you think a guy like Tony Thompson died young? Because he lived a healthy, clean life. Yeah. Tony Thompson, like Bowie, who was possibly one of the most prodigious cocaine addicts of all time, short of like Sigmund Freud. <laughs> um, uh, uh, if you're in the listen, that's it killed Jeff Porcaro. It killed a lot of those guys because you can't imagine a better drug for a fucking drummer <laughs> than yeah, yeah. cocaine. It's like they're like they're like made for each other. I want to hit stuff like if, fast. Yeah. yeah. If Topper Hedden <laughs> had stuck with a simple drug like cocaine as a heroin, we'd still talk about the clash today. I was trying to figure out it. I, I was trying to remember his name for this list. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Topper Hedden fucked up. He went with yeah. heroin. That was yeah, a, yeah, yeah, was a yeah, huge yeah. mistake. Huge mistake. Anyway, so Tony Thompson is a hero to me. Unfortunately, he killed himself really young. Okay. He blew himself out. But he's a spectacular, one of my favorite drummers. Okay, uh, uh, number eight, uh, Mick Fleetwood. Mick Fleetwood. Oh, 
very influential, thumpy, Ludwig sound. Um, I gotta give. I gotta, that's just. These are all ten drummers. Like okay. you don't get better drummers than these. Uh, these are all th- see, uh, these are the. I'm not a drummer, so these drummers I yeah, know. These uh, guys are all the best. Uh, 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 number nine. Uh, Joe, she, are you gonna say Carl Palmer? Then I'll let you saw school you. <laughs> no, actually, Carl I think I, is that Palmer? the one you see it on uh, on Records Revisited? I think like uh, you see it on uh, somebody. Any, that's <laughs> any chance I can get to rip on Carl Palmer? Oh yeah, that, that, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You see it on him on. Listen, no, I see the conversation, so I can. Rip L- listen to listen to the records revisited episode uh episode uh number nine uh, sheila e sheila uh, talking e. about oh, prince yeah oh I, you know what i saw sheila e play with prince on the love sexy tour at madison square garden cool she is a motherfucker sheila e is a spectacular top notch she played a double she was like tommy lee she played the goddamn double blaze kit with like 15 tom toms on it she <laughs> killed it she is a she's a 10 she's a 10 plus she's a 12 Sheila E is unbelievable. Okay, next one. I know you have an opinion on Stuart Copeland. Stuart Copeland. I I love Stuart Copeland strumming. I wish Stuart Copeland wouldn't talk, but I love <laughs> Stuart Copeland strumming. He needs new glasses um, too. Yeah, yeah. No. You know. Yeah. No. He's. You know what? What you hear in Stuart Copeland is the you, you when you hear a musician, you hear through their instrument how they are. You play the way you are. If you're a complicated annoying person you play in a complicated annoying way like Stuart Copeland <laughs> if you are a simple laid-back kind of dude like oh I don't know uh, Jim Keltner you play like a simple laid-back dude and everyone loves you and uh, everyone wants to play with you but Stuart Copeland <laughs> on the other hand uh-huh. is because I, I, I really know I I, uh, I was uh, obsessed with the police. I was I saw the police play about a dozen times. Stuart was a tremendous influence on me. His power, his energy, the energy that he focused, and some of it was anger energy, mm-hmm. and some of it was frustration energy. I've learned over the years that when you play in a band, it doesn't matter if you're a big band, or maybe it's exacerbated by being in a band as big as the police was. <laughs> Where you guys that, don't get along you know, and you're on top yeah, of the world. Things, yeah, like, yeah, little things that annoy you. Like Sting, really yeah. Can get blown <laughs> way, way out of proportion. Yeah. Yeah. Now, listen, not a surf has never had, you know, the kind of money and the kind of, you know, kind of uh, uh, focus on it that the police had. There's no comp- there's no correlation. But still, the act of going on the road with people over the many years, you are in close proximity to them and you learn the best of them. You learn the worst of them and they learn the best and the worst of you. And so this is a dynamic. And in a band like that, it ended up kind of breaking them up because they could only take so much of each other. But yeah. the reason they were so great is because they all had, they were really strong individuals, and that's why their music was so interesting. They all brought something weird and unusual to the table um, that was really, you know, you couldn't, if you did the math on those two guys, you would never think that that would work. But, I, you know, so I, yeah, so I was completely obsessed. The Stuart Copeland was a tremendous influence. I, I, I don't, those records have not held up for me quite as much oh, over time. I, I went back um, and re listened, and, and I, I still yeah, think they're some, okay. Some of them, yeah, I, I was. The thing is, I was so I listened to them so much uh, for so long, like uh, they kind of wore themselves out with me. Um, I, I listened to like uh, live albums. Oh my god, I was completely obsessed. Have you, I still have. I still have. Stuff. Have you heard of a band called Animal Logic? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I I saw them in in like yeah. a bar. Was that it, his thing? Was that with the guy from uh, from? I think Stanley Jordan was in it, I think, or right. Yeah. Like I, I, that's the closest I ever come. Actually, I saw, I saw Sting once a while ago and that was disappointing. Stuart Copeland's real love is some sort of like, I know he came from like a band called Curved Air, which again was probably some sort of jazz. Yeah. 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 Stuff. Um, I have no, personally, I have no affinity for jazz myself. So things that 
like um, any kind of jazz, rock kind of things, or things that is extended solos or jamming, I sign out. Like I, I'm, I, I completely turn off. Zappa, not interested. Jam <laughs> bands, not interested. Like any anything like that, I just like, oh well, okay, I have something else to do. Like I, that, none of that music that sort of like guys is playing solos. I completely shut that completely. Anything out. longer than a three um, and a half minute song, you're you're yeah, checking I out. I like, yeah, I like I, I like structure. I like songs. When people start going into extended solos, hey, listen, I'll listen to Cream. <laughs> you know, there I go. Have I dated myself? Like, you know, I'll listen to like Eric Clapton solo for for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, for the most part, like when you get into like soloing and jazz infused stuff, like I mean, I went through a prog period, and so it was like, and you went from you know liking Rush. And uh, uh, Emerson, like a Palmer again, to you know, then it was more jazzy stuff. You got into Mahavishnu, maybe, uh, and that stuff, which is really the super jazz inflected. And I started, I tried to start to listen to that stuff, and that's where I lost me because, like, I was out of my skill set as a drummer. Like, I couldn't play any of that stuff, <laughs> and and I was also not inspired to try to play like that. Some other player would go, "Oh, I got to figure out how to do that." Uh, I play like Billy Cobham. But when I heard that stuff, none of no part of me thought, "Well, I need to do that." Like I never thought that. Like, uh, uh, no, that this wasn't me. Like, you know, you're drawn to is like my style. I was always drawn to like very basic stuff. I'm a basic person. You, you, you like power to, like, pop beat. music. You, yeah, yeah, I would like, rather I listen to the. I'd rather listen yeah. to the Cramps. Yeah. You know, the, you know, or like Mo Tucker. I'd rather listen to someone like beat on one drum, propulsively, than hear someone play. You know, whatever. But listen, did I love Bill Bruford in UK? Oh yeah, man. So, so it crosses range, but in the long run, like that sort of jazzy style as a, as a player, I never was drawn to it and I never gained a, an ear for it. Uh, so I, so I, I, I'm always like feel left out when people start talking, but I can, I can dig it, but only up to a certain degree. So tell me uh, uh, a scale of one to 10 Stuart Copeland. I love letting oh, you riff about music, man. Get, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I gotta say for like his personal influence on me alone, yeah. how much I obsessed him, I gotta get to 10. Okay. Quest love. Questlove, oh my God, what a great drummer! Have you read the book? Ooh. Have you read Mo Better Blues? I have not. Yeah, I, 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 that's not Mo Better Blues. What is it? Uh, um, God damn it, I can't remember the name. Oh, he, he wrote, re he wrote, read his he book. Wrote, you, you'd like it. It's about music. Did you write a book about? Yeah, I thought he wrote a book about Soul Train. See, I, I, uh, he might have another book out. Uh, Mo Meta Blues is the name of the book. Like, and that's right. really good. Uh, it's Questlove. These guys are all 10. He's, he's one of the greatest drum, modern drummers of all I'm time. interested. We only got a couple more, like uh, Go four more. Uh, 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 Phil Collins. <laughs> Phil Collins. Ten, uh, oh, my God. How much do I love Phil Collins? Phil Collins, <laughs> okay. you know, Phil Collins had to stop playing the drums completely. Yeah. Can't physically. Yeah. Can't pick up a strick. It hurts. That breaks oh, my heart. I, his love, book is like him. literally I'm touching his book. Like I haven't read it yet. Like oh, I, 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 I got my fingers on it. Yeah. I, yeah. And I love that. He's like, so he understands how much people love and hate him. Yeah. Like he, he, the weight of all this, like he was so popular that he was, there was a huge backlash. Motherfucker like, could write so, a love song, man. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he suffered the price of his own, like his own talent. Like he was so talented, wrote such great songs. Everyone hated him for it. Like that's a very unusual place to end up in the culture. But uh, I love Phil Collins. Okay, I see. Very dark city. I, I I also really really wanted to dress like him. That suit and Chucky's thing during the eighties. Like does, I, what, I, how I, does he dress? I I rocked during the eighties when I was in high school. Yeah. When when uh, Genesis was right when uh, his No Jacket Required came out. Yeah. He was wearing yeah. like a baggy suit with a white yeah. shirt. 
and a oh pair my. of chucks. And I, I tried yeah. to rock that and it never oh. looked right to me. Oh, a number, yeah. we only got a f three more, a Rick Allen, the one arm drummer from Def Leppard. We're talking now when he only has one arm. Oh my God. That's brutal. <laughs> you know, you're going to shit on a one arm drum. Go, brutal. go ahead. Like, you, 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 that is brutal. Yeah. I can only give him a five. Oh. <laughs> Comedy. Um, <laughs> number, uh, number 14. That was He's really half the drummer. He used that's we're <laughs> 25% less. Uh, 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 Ringo star. Oh God damn it. Ringo star. Why do people like Ringo star? What the hell is it with Ringo star? What is it? I don't get it. Okay. He oh, looks man. cool still. I'm, I'm, yeah. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm going to tell you too. Peter Von, Peter Von Taborski, I also <laughs> am likely to start my own podcast at some point. And it's all going to be about how much I'm going to try to find people who hate the Beatles. <laughs> I, I know somebody who can be people. on it. Yeah. I'm only going to interview yeah. people who hate the Beatles I, I, because I, there's lots of them and they, I find them absolutely fascinating. I'm going to just interview Beatle haters and figure out what the hell it is that's wrong with them. Um, uh, Ringo is. Talking to me, talking to me about Ringo is like talking to like a Christian about Jesus. <laughs> like I'm such like I'm such a, a, a like a uh, I'm such a, a holy Ringo like defender. Here's my greatest. Here's my my favorite Ringo defense story. Um, you, uh, you know, occasionally as a Beatle person, you meet people who and you say, oh, you know, Beatles were pretty great, and they go, really, were they? <laughs> uh, you get into this little thing about uh, they they weren't. Like, no, they really weren't. I'm like, well, why? You know, then I'm like, I'm interested. Like, okay, so you don't think the Beatles were so great? Or you don't think Ringo was so good? Who was? Like, if he doesn't make your scale, I'm interested to know who does. <laughs> so I have these, I, I often have these Enlighten these me, Buddha, yeah. No, I like, I like a good conversation. I like to get under people's, like, why is it they think this? Because I find that kind of alien. I like to hear an alien viewpoint. Because it's fascinating. Well, you know, you do this for a living. You hear alien viewpoints probably all the time. Oh, yeah. So, um. So uh, a friend of mine, he goes, uh, I was uh, we're having conversations late at night in Manchester years ago. And he goes, you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine and he goes, uh, Ringo wasn't much of a drummer, was he? And I said, say that again. And he says, uh, Ringo wasn't much of a drummer, was he? Now, at this point in the conversation, <laughs> I would I would point out to the, this other person all the various like why. Ringo was so blah, 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 because it is, you know, because that, yeah, here's my friend, my friend, Steve goes like this. So here's the rest of his conversation. Uh, say that again. <laughs> I said, Ringo wasn't much of a drummer, was he? So I punched him in the face. <laughs> you can't, you can't say that about the Beatles. And I said, Steve, you are my fucking hero. Cause I would have gotten into a, into like a whole like thread of chat and you just fucking laid it Shut out. Shut it cold. down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like here, take, you can't say that about Ringo. Bam. So, <laughs> Jerry, my peers. What I really should do is just punch people in the face. Yeah, I don't what know I if he should. Like, like trying I, I, to figure out if you don't think the Beatles are so great <laughs> musically. Well, who the hell is? Like, what are you listening to at home? Like Shostakovich? What the? What are you listening to? That's so much better than that. Well, well two, uh, two know, more. Two more. And if you if you don't if you're this passionate about uh, Ringo Starr, Charlie Watts. Okay. Charlie Watts also a stone genius you play the way you are I listen to, there's a track he I looks to, cool when he plays i know that he looks yeah. cool but you know why yeah. he looks cool because he's fucking cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he always was he always will be in night i heard the other day uh, a recording from 64 
or five, their earliest tours, they're on tour in like Ireland in 64. And there's all these stuff that's not recorded. And it's an early version of like last time. And it's a straight beat. The song never really stops. It mm -hmm. just kind of motors through for like three and a half minutes. And this is 1964. I don't know how old Charlie was. 21. <laughs> uh -huh. He just motors through this thing like a hammer. He never lets up. It never speeds up. It never slows down. He's so relaxed. He's so confident. He lays this beautiful, fat rock and roll pocket right down the pipeline. Like, and you know, this, like I said, those guys just couldn't hear each other. They, they had no monitors. They had nothing. They just were playing out into the air. Yep, yep. But he felt he felt it in his body, like he's a naturally solid. Like the Stones rest squarely on the shoulders of Charlie Watts. No Charlie, no Stones. All right, no I, beat, no Ringo, no Beatles. My last one, and I was only going to do fifteen, and then I realized that my, and I I don't even know why. Like I just love everything about this drummer, uh, Bunny sure. Bunny Carlos. Bunny Carlos, I, I talking about cool. Asked, like in my head, uh, yeah. coolest drummer ever. Barney Carlos is interesting because he showed up in the 70s with a big power pop band, but he came with this really weird <laughs> aesthetic because he wasn't Somebody's your classic. Dad. Like, <laughs> yeah, he had this kind of weird, well, they were, first of all, Cheap Trick, the aptly named yeah. Cheap Trick, <laughs> were playing as like two super cool guys, two super nerdy guys. <laughs> like, you know, they were playing this really weird game of like the two handsome, gorgeous, yeah, rock stars, yeah, yeah, yeah. rock star dudes with like, you know, these two preening, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, ultra like born on planet rock and roll. And then, you know, the oddly weird, you know, Rick Nielsen with this sort of like sweater, cleaver, yeah. hat, you know, short hair, baseball hat flipped up. Like he's like, Hey mom, Hey dad, you know, he's wearing a weird sweater. He's got his thumbs up. He's goofy and he's got no chin. And here's Bunny Carlos. He looks like he's a, you know, manager of a, of a Kinko's. He's got the you know, he's got the, he's got I was a manager bad, of a Kinko's. Yeah, he's got a little bad mustache. He's got the little round linen glasses. Yeah. You know, he's not Cigarette. cool at yeah. all, yeah. but he laid, but, and his kit. And he's also playing, I started seeing him in 78 when they started becoming ubiquitous around uh, live at Budokan. Yeah, yeah. All those videos you saw of him, he wasn't playing a brand new Ludwig <laughs> blah, blah, blah kit. He was playing a vintage, like a late 60s kit. Like that, it was already like vintage drums. No one played no vintage one played drums in 1978. Yeah. He was already playing a vintage kit with like old cymbal stands. It kind of had this old floppity vibe. <laughs> he was already like a vintage guy before, way before vintage became cool. It took another 15 or 20 years before drummers started really getting into vintage drums. He was way ahead of that curve. Uh, and I got to say, his drumming, like, uh, it's steeped in, like, all this deepest rock and roll traditions of, like, uh, New Orleans. Uh, I just wrote, a, a friend of mine, uh, I wrote a, an article for a, a power pop. It was like a sort of a collection of power pop essays. And I was asked to write about power pop drummers. And uh, for power pop drumming, there's a small pantheon of guys. Like, you know, the guy from Big Star, Jody Stevens, and the, some of the drummers in the Raspberries. Uh, but really, like, 78, 79, it was Bunny Carlos, the guy from the Romantics, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, the guy from the Knack. Uh, you know, there's a handful of, like, uh, Clem Burke from Blondie. Yeah, yeah. Like, these are, like, the greatest rock power pop drummers of their generations. And, and Bunny Carlos is a, still, like, you know, again, back to Adam Schlesinger. Adam had him join, you know, he had to put a power pop band together with James Eha and the guy from Hanson, 
And who was the jet to play the drums? I forgot. Like, I knew not, that. I, I yeah, absolutely like knew that. Like yeah. a guy 25 years older than all of them or 30 yeah. years older. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Last question. And you've answered this question on my friend uh, um, Ben Montgomery's podcast. Uh, um, oh, that guy? Record, record, uh, records Revisited. And yes. here, here's how much I like him. Like he, he's an Orlando guy. He's like kind of on a different yeah. part of Orlando than I, I do. And we do kind of different things, but he's yeah. a listener of Scotch and Good Conversation. I didn't know Records Revisited. Great podcast. And I got, a, I got an email from him and he said, Hey man, I listen. I've done two. Yeah, I, I know. I listened to both of them. Uh, I, I listen. And that last question you ask, who do you know that I don't know who should come on the podcast? Oh. That's great. Can I use yeah. that? And, and, and. I went, I don't, I don't own it. Like I probably stole it from someplace, but, yeah, but, but thank whatever. you so much for, for, for asking, like knock yourself yeah. out. Um, yeah. so, so he uses it now, but I, I'm going to say I might've invented it. Who do you okay. know? Who do you know that I don't know who should come on this podcast? Oh, let's see. Who do I know? You know, Bunny Carlos. <laughs> I, would, you know, I would hook you up with Bunny yeah, Carlos. Yeah, I, I, I would be too scared. Like, a, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, mm, let me think about this. Let me think about this. I know some, who do I know? Who do I know that it would be really fun? Um, I mean, I know a lot of musicians. Uh, well, you know, I just came off the road with John Vanderslice, who's a fantastic musician from from San Francisco, and he, he would be a great interview. Cool. Um, um, uh, who I know... You know, uh, Gil. You know, uh, my friend Doug Gillard uh, from Guided by Voices. That'd be like, cool. He's, yeah, uh, he's hilarious and dark. You know, he's from Cleveland, and guys from Cleveland have a really dark, weird, <laughs> hilarious sense of humor. He's Doug Gillard's a good man, uh, a very interesting guy. Um, so I could hook you up with it, it, Mr. It, Gillard. You, he that, he that, loves to do stuff like that. that. that it, reach out to them and and shoot me a text if, if that works out. If not. Yeah. Um, plugs. This is with the chance for because I mean your band doesn't need to be plugged, oh. but the new record is amazing. Like I, I oh, really is. Like I, I really dug back and I forgot how much I love what you guys do. And and so it, if I can get one extra person listening, they deserve to be listening because it really is amazing. Like so, I, I'm it's a beautiful I'm, record. I'm stoked that you were involved. If if we were looking to buy your record, there's a website. Is there a MySpace probably or something? Um, there's a, you know, there's a notasurf.com. And, uh, um, I'm assuming at some point, hopefully you'll be going back out on the tour and probably coming through Orlando well, like crazy. This, this, is, an, this yeah. is a, this is, this is an interesting question. We could, we could do a good another hour on this. Like, you know, what does the future hold for people whose job it is <sighs> no one knows. to play yeah. music in front of groups of people? Yeah. Um, right now the future is looking pretty bleak. Um, so maybe there'll be a day, where, you know, in a way to figure out. How, how performers can still have audiences full of people who are wigged out about getting diseases from other people in the audience. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird new world and I'm not really ready for it just yet. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll give, uh, give you guys a yeah. follow. I'm assuming you're updating on Facebook and all that other stuff. Yeah, so I mean, right now, yeah. right now, like everybody else, we're kind of waiting, trying to figure to it see out how it plays out. There's no yeah. one can know. Like we've rescheduled. We were going to be, like, remember, we'd be in the middle of the tour right now. It's yeah. now, uh, we're now looking at the middle of uh, we're in the middle of uh, April. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm crossing my fingers because yeah. it, it, yeah. it's that good a record, but, uh, and yeah. I would probably travel to go see it. So, so the, the shows that we have canceled for later in the year, we've started to reschedule them for next year. Yeah. Um, but again, it still remains to be seen 
you know, what, what is actually, how it's Absolutely. Gonna actually and, and, and quite frankly, if you get sick, you can't make more records. And that's ultimately what's, what's important, I right. think, is making well, art and continuing yeah. on with the story. Well, we can, always, we can always figure out a way to make records yeah. together. That, that, that we can do. Thank you very um, much. Like, I, I, this oh, has been fun. Like, I, uh, I, thank you, Peter. I, I was really stoked. Did you have fun? You have a good time? Of course. Okay. Right, um, listen, any chance for me to talk about myself for an hour plus? Come on. Give me, it's, this is it's going this on two. It's like two and a quarter. Uh, give me, give me a second. I'm, I'm going to run through some of my little plugs here. Um, the, the haunting theme of Scotch A Good Conversation is written by my, my buddy and no slacker musician himself, uh, Mr. CJ Mask. He records, he produces, um, he, he mixes records. It, right now, he, he should be out on the road right now, and he's stuck at home. So if you need something for your podcast or your band or something, get at me. I will get you at him. I got a Patreon. I would love for you to go take a look at it. It's patreon.com slash conversation. I've been posting almost daily with updates of what's going on. I've been doing this little... Um, like a video series called uh, I'm Peter Vontaworski. I got shit on my mind where I just talk about what's going on in my mind. And uh, it's a little fun. If you give me a dollar or two, you, it all goes back into the podcast. If if you're a fan of Not A Surf, if you're a fan of music, if you're a fan of this podcast, do me a favor. Um, share this episode on your Facebooks and your Instagrams. You'll, you'll share a stupid meme. Share this for me. Also, yeah. if, if, um, if there's someone in your world out there right now who needs something, reach out to them. If you yes. haven't heard from them in a little bit, reach out to them. Use your phone, use your FaceTime, use your internet and say, hey man, I was worried about you. I'm concerned about you. I love you. How can I make your life better? Take care of each other, love each other, remember to breathe. PFT Media Production.